G'day team and welcome to the Two Towers Podcast, a Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game Podcast. I'm Jordy. And I'm Albert and this is episode 14. 14. Hey. Nice one. We seem to be uh, recording these at somewhat more of a rapid pace in recent times, which is good. Yeah, it's good. We've got we've got our release schedule uh, back on track. Yeah, we, we, we were we really... Had bit, <laughs> we had a backlog there for a while. So it's good to, good to get together and actually have the time to record. Um, today we are going to be recording uh, All Systems Go. Yeah, the tournament All Systems Go. And you're like, what the heck does that name mean? Yeah. It's it's one of the few tournaments that a Lord of the Rings tournament is that doesn't have like a reference yeah. to Middle where's Earth. Where's the reference? Where's right? the where's the pun? Exactly, exactly. So, Geordie, what, what is the reason for this being called All Systems Go? Alright, now it, it is a clever pun, but just not for us. Basically, the tournament organiser Dickie, who you would have heard before, he's running a tournament... Over the space of this weekend where he plays five different systems. Yeah. Now, obviously, each individual player doesn't have to, but there's going to be five different systems. Yeah. Um, on the day that we played, there was three systems going. Yeah, right. Uh, in so the same place. In like the same, in the same place, place. In the space, same, yeah. basically, big hall. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. We had plenty of room. Don't, yeah. don't, don't get it twisted. Um, so, we had Lord of the Rings, of course. Yep. Uh, the better system. The best system. The best system. There was Blood Bowl, which, to be clear, I actually like Blood Bowl a lot. Yeah, it's good. I've it's good. never gotten into playing it, but no. it's cool. <laughs> I like to watch it from afar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, I reckon it was Age of Sigma. Yeah. But uh, apologies to all the players there if it wasn't, so yeah, too bad. We weren't playing in those yep. systems anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yep. But it is interesting from the perspective of have So, because Dickie was being a TO for all three systems. He was technically the TO for all three systems. He had to be in the same place. I mean, he had some lieutenants thrown around. Sure. Uh, but look, there's a lot to manage. A lot to manage. And uh, there may have been a few hiccups on the day. Foreshadowing. <laughs> foreshadowing. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um, so... Three systems all in the, the same space, but uh, the Lord of the Rings component, which is what we're here for, mm. was 800 points. Yep. Is that right? So a pretty big tournament. Yeah. Certainly the highest I would ever want to be going to. For a single day tournament as well. Yeah. Um, and it was three games. Yep. Yeah. Can you remember off the top of your head how long you had for each round? Was it like two hour rounds? I, I want to say it was two hours 15. Right. So with a, you know, a bit of leeway because mm. there was breaks in between so i think you had 15 set up get it done in two hours yeah and then you've got something of a break before you have to wash rinse repeat there was enough time i don't think we were rushed and i believe all my games at least went to conclusion that's good yeah that's a great yeah result. so i reckon we did well very yeah. good very good so uh obviously at this point i should probably come clean and say that i wasn't able to <laughs> no. make the event um, but you went along and represented two towers, um, so at least there was there was that, and I think there were it was a pretty good spread of local Geelong players and yep. Melbourne players at the event. Yeah, as well, so which was good numbers wise, I reckon it was twenty. Cool. Uh, I reckon twenty on the dot, which was of course a good number, and yeah, yeah ma- mainly Melbourne Melbourne lads came down. That's good. Um, and then like I think five or six Geelong Geelong boys, uh, and a familiar face you'll you'll hear very soon. <laughs> a, uh, a podcast. <laughs> frequenter um okay well i think that about covers everything that we need to talk about yeah for as, the tournament i guess as far as the tournament goes the only interesting aspect was the fact that dicky had to run a bunch for us it was just a classic 800 points no real big deviations in rules no special things going on it's just play 800 see how you go 
for Dickie, I'm sure that it was more than enough to just have a whole range of standard tournaments run. He also moved his entire shop out there as yep. well, because he runs yep. a store here locally in Geelong, and he moved all of his merch um, out to this big kind of uh, kind of like a scout hall, basketball hall yeah. um, location, which was great. I, I popped in for 10 minutes um, when I had a spare second during the day just to, to kind of get a sense of the vibe. It was a pretty awesome setup that he yeah. had going on. Yeah, it was so, huge. It was really cool. Um, I think it's it's usually his kind of big uh, tournament that he tries to throw every year. So um, for all you folks in Melbourne um, that didn't make it down this year, maybe you can uh, get yeah, a chance make to make the next, it down one, next one for sure. Anyway, with that said, let's get into uh, the army that you're taking. A new power is rising. Its victory is at hand. A new power is rising. And its hobbying is at hand. Geordie, uh, tell the dear listeners at home what it is that you are gracing their ears with mm. on this day. What arm are you taking? Well, this is, this is a big one. This is a culmination of uh, what's been happening in the slow grow. So I'm taking the Easterlings. An old love. My only love. <laughs> um, and this is a culmination of Basically, what's been happening in the slow grow. Yep. And something I'm doing on the side here for one of the Melbourne lads, which is a commission paint. Yep. Um, so, just to put that out there. So, I've got the 30 ninjas up thereabouts, something like that. 31, 32, maybe 28. Who knows? Something something in that ballpark. Those ninjas are for your slow grow army? The, one, the same ones from the slow grow. Yeah, yep. cool. Cool. Yep. All right. And then, to supplement all this, we've uh, unleashed the, the Legion of the Dragon Emperor. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got the big daddy himself. Of course. Yeah. Emery Hill 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, new and improved. New and improved. <laughs> for Rutabi and Brogy. Yep. The two big names. Uh, and a captain and a dragonite on horsey. Okay. Um, so no standard warriors, all ninjas, and then... Exactly. And this, oh. this is the trick. Because the Dragon Emperor Legendary Legion basically gives you about 30 or 40 points for free... If you take standard warriors, right, with his little his warband gets upgraded for free. Right, um, you fill it with eighteen warriors. That's thirty six points. You fill the dragons with six warriors. That's another twelve. You've got fifty points for free. Remind the listeners at home what's the upgrade that he's giving them. Right, the black dragon upgrade plus yeah. one fight plus one courage. Very good. So you're getting fifty points for free if you play it that way. Yeah. What if you didn't play it that way? Oh. <laughs> but look, honestly, I don't don't mind that. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, We've wasted one of our like four bonuses because to me, and look, we're not going to stick to the uh, the game stuff for too long. The power in this legion is the hero rerolls, or sure. as I call it, the Lord of the East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they still get the banner, yeah. which is battlefield wide, more or less. <laughs> uh, and on top of that, all the heroes can also reroll an extra dice. So the captain, just as is, is basically a four dice model now. Wow. You've got the Emperor's Banner, you've got the Captain, he can just chuck four on his own. Yeah. The Dragonite on a charge, throw six. And Crazy. If, if I'm being honest, uh, this is the most consistent I've ever had Dragon Knights because we've all heard tales. 
they whiff like crazy. Yeah. They charge two infantry, whiff, get stabbed because they've got no fate and they're only defense six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if the Dragon Knight lost too many combats in my both my practice games and look foreshadowing in the in the game itself. Like yeah. he he performed. It's one of those things where, you know, the weight of dice yep. holds the day. Yep. And and especially those glass cannons. Like if they're winning, then it doesn't matter that they've only got defense six and no fate because yes. it doesn't come into it. Well and now that the Emperor exists with the twelve inch banner, because mm. one of the things that used to happen was a dragon knight would be on his own. Yeah. Bannerless so you've got three dice or four on the charge. Again, we're, we're staying on this too long. This is strategy stuff. Ignore that. <laughs> Let's talk about the painting, Albert. Let's That's talk about the really bloody painting. So we've got the strategy in the bloody games. You can listen to them later. So painting-wise, you mentioned that it was a commission-based uh, mm. job. Before we get into the actual paint jobs, um, you've done quite like some commission painting in the past. Mm. Um, how do you find commission painting uh, like compared to painting for yourself? It is a whole different ball game. Right. Um, I wish it was like I wish you got the same fulfillment. Yeah. But there's there's that sort of there's that personal touch that you get to do on your own model. You get to pick your own colours, you get to do all that. Yeah. But there's that, you know, fulfillment of this is my model. Yeah. You know, when you paint yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you go, yeah. This is my model. Yeah. Um <laughs> there are others, but this is mine. Um but in saying all that you still get to paint. Um, it still has that same, like, you know, progress. Like, look how cool this is. Mm. Um, the real interesting part about this for me was having someone else dictate the colours, basically. Sure. Be- so, the colours that um, were chosen, would you, would you not have gone down that route? Exactly. No. Not at all. E- Basically, I mean, you'll see these guys have purple. Easy. That's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> but they are complemented with blue, yeah. which is not something okay. I'd often... I would. Yeah. I mean, they're complementary colours for sure, but it's not something I would do. Yeah. And then when eventually it gets revealed, the, the troops are, are sort of leaning in this like tropical green sort of stuff, which you can see a hint of it in the Captain and the Dragon Knight. Yeah. Um, so it's basically like the gold, easy. That's in my zone. Yeah. But then the the color that he's gone to complement all that is very much not something I personally would have picked. Yeah, and I okay. fa- found that really cool because it's testing my metal. Like, mm. what happens when there's a color that I'm not used to? Mm. What do I do? So it was. Uh, did you did you like did you find that you kind of had to make peace with it, or did you start painting and going, oh, actually, no, this does work. Like, was it a battle or was it, did you come to terms with it and then kind of grow to love it? No, no. See, it was never a battle. I, I wouldn't say that. I would say it was a challenge that I, I was interested in, you know, confronting. Yeah. yeah. And in the end, it turned out fucking mint. Yeah. Cool. Now, this is foreshadowing for a future episode. There's uh, an effect that is on the troops and it... it looks so good yeah and again this is not something i would have done for myself so mm. it's not like something i would have come up with like the transition basically from a dark to a, a high vibrant off color mm. it looks incredible and then the gold just sits there in the back and it just like, pops against it again there's a slight hint of that in the in the captain the dragon knight but the colors are slightly different so it doesn't quite work the yeah, same yeah. anyway yeah so yeah. it was it was like a challenge and to be honest i thought it was pretty it was cool in the end, basically. Yeah, cool. Nice. 
I I haven't done any real commission painting in the part in the past, so I can't really talk from experience. So I find it really interesting that approach because I I would assume I would have a similar thing where like I only paint for myself. Mm. So for me to then give that away at the end, even though you know you're not giving it away, you're being paid for it. Uh, yep. <laughs> but that that act of like completing something and then having to give it away. I mean, I suppose I have, I have that with terrain, but I feel like terrain is I was going to mention you've commissioned terrain, but you're right. It's Terrain is different because I feel like you have less of an emotional attachment to them yep. because terrain sits on a board and everything interacts around it yep. as opposed to the models, which you kind of invest a certain amount of value into. And look, I, I'm just making assumptions here but I'm going to say the Eastlings may have taken a bit longer than your terrain as well. So there's also that element to it. <laughs> this, is um, this is true. But yeah, I think so. Very good. Um, so you've mentioned them a couple of times. Shall we talk about the the first couple of unnamed heroes, so the Captain and the Black Dragon, because mm. they kind of have a similar approach yes. going on. Yeah, right? yeah. these two were, were painted together. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about the ninjas before. So check out the slow grows, one and two. I'm sure there's some talk on them before. The the captain and the dragonite painted together. And basically what um, Jono, the, the bloke from Melbourne, had, had mentioned is that he wanted these guys to be like the juggernaut of the army. So they oh, okay. they would like stand out. They're like steel clad where everyone's in like their decadent gold. Well, it's not necessarily decadent gold, you know, just they were looking good. These guys were meant to look like hard sort yeah, of thing. Sure. So they were dark where everyone else is kind of a little bit bright. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, painted the the metal like steel instead of gold. Yeah. So that's the first step towards standing out. And then where everyone else is in sort of various different colours, like purples and blues and stuff, um, these guys were in like this really dark green mm. um, that builds up into some pretty bright highlights. But overall, you get the effect of like this is dark as opposed dark to model. yeah and so the brief that you got from the client was i want these guys to be big dark kind of bruises yeah exactly he wanted them to be the bruises yeah cool it's interesting because i love the 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 space in between what you get briefed mm. and what happens at the other end and that that creative process in between so it's got that little chinese whispers element of it does here's it does. what i'm thinking Oh, here's how I process what you're thinking. Yeah. And here's how I perform what I'm thinking you're thinking. Yeah. 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 And then as the person on the outside looking in, it's lovely to he like kind of hear that the whole way through and hear that after I've actually looked at the models as well. Right. True. Because I look at the model and I can appreciate the, the, the artistry and the paintwork without understanding the backstory but then when you hear the backstory it kind of all makes yeah, more sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense um, very cool so um, those two are quite kind of uh, standalone in the army yeah and again I want to point out in this legion those two models well and truly overperform yeah that captain again throwing four dice with the re-rolls and he's got five five beside him now like the buff to the infantry was a sideways buff to the captain yeah because you used to have the captain be fight four, yeah. so you go on 50-50s against troops. Yeah. Now, as long as he's rocking within my list, a ninja, or the normal list, a pike behind him, yeah. he's got fight five now, which is a yeah. huge jump for him. Uh, over, yeah, overperformers. Cheapest chips, hella good in this list. It's funny, I mean, I, I love captains in, in every army. Mm. Like I, They're the unsung heroes a lot of the time. 
Um, but I feel like, particularly in the Easterlings, having had no play experience, but just hearing you talk about them, I am ad nauseum. I'm pretty sold on the, now, the now, efficacy. Off mic, before we start every recording, I talked to Albert for three hours about <laughs> Easterling captains uh, and how great they are. So I'll put, a, I'll put a meme up on the Instagram to show. <laughs> very good, very good. So shall we move on to the couple of the named heroes then? Alrighty. These dudes are so good. I mean, one in particular. Mm. So I'll start with Rutabi. Yeah, now, painted... we've, we've talked about Rutabi in the past. You, yeah. You, you painted her for the slow grow. Is this the same model or you painted a different one? It's a different for... one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So right. my one was like black clad. Yep. Um, to go along with the ninjas and stuff. Yeah. This one, um, for for the pair, Rutabi and Brawgear, the, um, what Jono had mentioned was that they wanted purple. A mm-hmm. bit of royalty, of course. Yep. Um, and when you see the rest of the army, you'll see that the purple stands out. Sure. He wanted a chevron on both of these guys to be worked into their cloaks. Oh. Um, so, for those who don't know the chevron, it's basically that big... How do you describe it? It's a, it's a triangle without the bottom? Yeah, it's a triangle without the bottom. Like, those who have seen, like, 300, it's the Spartan... Yeah. The pattern on the Spartan yeah. shield is kind of the easiest reference, I think. Yeah. Um, so, just a chevron on their capes. He wanted the capes, the underside of the capes to be like blue. Yeah, right. So this is where we get that play of the the purple and the blue. Yeah, cool. And then I think that was kind of it for them. Other than that, just make them look pretty. <laughs> Which you did in spades. Mm. Um, the, so, I mean, in terms of Rutabi, you had painted her in the past. You came back and painted her again in fairly... Like, not a great deal of time passed between those two paint jobs. No, like, we're yeah, talking true. a couple of months. A right? couple of months, yeah. How did you find painting her the second time? Like, did you find any different details, or did the paint job, like the the, the paints that you use, the color scheme, did it change the feel of the model for you, or is it kind of the same same? No, there was a lot more effort put into this new Rutabi's cape. Basically, sure. the armor was much the same. I do think Jono's Rutabi's a lot cleaner than my one. Um, which is which is fine. I'm not jealous of that. Uh, <laughs> the golds are cleaner, but yeah, a lot more effort on the cape because, of course, one we wanted the chevron on there, but two, he had color where mine was black, so yeah, I could kind was, of cheat on mine. Yours was kind of sitting in. Uh, it was kind of a back background to the yep. mini, as yep. opposed to this, which almost became a bit of a focal point. Yeah, which is interesting as well because I I don't know about you, but my OCD kicks in whenever <laughs> I'm playing and I have to face my models, generally speaking, in the correct way, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. the cloaks facing me. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, that can be a bit of a monotonous backdrop to game to, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the detail on the model is usually on the front and therefore you're faced with kind of a blank yeah. cape for most of the yeah. game. So Jono's kind of requested a little bit of bling <laughs> to have something to look at so whilst he, he's... When he's watching Rutabi smash Imrahil, he's like, yeah, how good that cape? Chevron's yeah. rocking it. Yeah. Chevron's rocking it. Um, yeah. How do you approach... Here's a question. How do you approach um, a kind of free hand with a chevron? Like, do you kind of sketch out the overall shape mm. and then colour in? Or do you just kind of go... Like, do you build up from a dark colour to a highlight? Or what's your approach? Yeah, yeah good question. So, with these these two, I think I, I was lucky because it's a simple shape. But you're right. What I did was basically paint out the block of it in basically as dark a colour as I could. Yeah. Now, what I knew I wanted with these was to have a little bit of... So, so, the, so it was basically visible. 
And the way to do that was to, first of all, separate the colors and to have a pop color. Yep. So I wanted the outside of the, the chevron to be bright white. Yeah. So, so you almost like outlined the chevron. To outline it, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is really important, especially if you're playing with blue and purple, which are both in a cool spectrum. Mm -hmm. You can lose it pretty oh, easily. Absolutely. Right? If, if the line wasn't there, and even with the line there, it's kind of a little subtle. Yeah. Like you would just straight lose it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with, with similar colors, you've got to separate them yeah. on, on symbols such as this, I reckon. Uh, yeah. Word to the wise. So yeah, I, I painted, I blocked out basically the triangle mm. without the bottom mm. uh, and then built up the inside color, but obviously in that smaller space mm. and continued to build up the color and shrunk it like a little bit so that I could have a bit of a... That's really key, yeah. I think, to that that shrinking or, or kind of painting, because this is something that I've struggled with a bit and you'll see in the photos, dear listener, it's, it's quite a sizable chevron, like it, it, it dominates the cape, yep. right? And... and I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, I don't want to speak on your behalf, <laughs> but in the past where I've tried to, tried to do um, freehand um, like that, painting that first dark layer, it almost sometimes feels like it's too big, but you've got mm -hmm. to give yourself enough space mm -hmm. to then do that gradient that, yep. that you're talking about that yes. gives it depth that makes it look like it is actual fabric part of the model as opposed to just kind of yep. painted yeah, on. It needs... Even though, even though it's like a separate part, it needs room to breathe itself. So you, ha yeah, you have to make the block bigger than you think. Yep. And then fill it in. And by the time you're done, and same with these guys, I was like, man, I don't have enough room to work here. Like, it's always the way. I'm out of room. Yeah, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. luckily, yeah. Of but it looks amazing, yeah. and it and it's it strikes a really nice balance between being subtle, but standing out enough to really mm. distinguish them as yep. the heroes. And of course, yeah, these guys are the too big like apart from the emperor of course don't want to step on his toes he's or his well, palanquins you, you can't, you can't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, or his six soldier boys uh yeah so they really want you really want them to stand out and yeah. from behind i mean when you see the rest of his army they do well the the point here i would make is that they stand out 360 degrees because mm. the, the bloody the bloody armor is lovely and, yeah, and and the 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 difference here is that there's no downtime on the cloak. Mm. Um, so any any um, aspect that you look at the model, it's got something that is engaging and interesting. The inside face of the cloak being blue again gives this quite distinct shift between the back of the yeah. model and the front. Yeah, exactly. You turn them around, and it's like it's almost like a whole different model. Yeah, that um, that blue underside, and it looks really cool. By yeah. the way. Um, you flip it around and you go, well, who's this dude? Yeah. Or who's this chick? So uh, we, we've kind of been talking a little bit about um, Rutabi and Brogir as a combo, as a combo deal. As a wombo yeah. combo. But I do want to talk about Brogir in particular because mm. um, the non-metallic metal on this guy's helmet is so sick. I love it. And again, again, like I, I appreciate it so much more now that I am looking at shapes on models in terms of how you paint it with non-metallic metal that's actually that's a good point like Brogier's helmet is actually quite a complex set of geometry like it's got the the visor the mask and then the kind of the wing bits at the back yeah he's called winged horn i, I kind thing. of i look at it and i kind of think it's like an old school you know the old school models of the dragons with their wings kind of tucked behind yeah yeah it does thing. isn't it um very cool model 
And again, the the blending and the highlighting that you've done on the non-metallic metal is stylized, but it really sells the idea of it being metallic. Yeah, and this is a good point to bring up with NMM is you can't, I mean, you can't just tackle everything like you would in normal true metallic. No. You can't go paint everything the silver and then wash yeah. and then highlight. And then like a little You have to go, where is the light? Yeah. You have to look at it yeah. before you even start and go, where is the light going to hit? Yeah. Where do I need to build up? What do I need to apply? So, but, but, and, and it's so important because if you just start highlighting everything, it just looks yellow. Yeah, it right? becomes yellow. Like which, you need the which contrast is... of super dark to then mm. super bright and how you, where you kind of put the, the gradient and the feathering and building it. Like it's, it's really good. It's really <laughs> yeah. good. And, and Brawl Gear is a unique model, even amongst the Easterlings. Mm. And I think we've, me and you are in agreement. He's probably one of the best. I think he's one of the best in the range. In the range, stop. yeah. And, and not only that, because, like, the, the model itself is great, but also it's backed up by a fantastic profile. Oh, he that, is a sick profile. Like, it's a great profile. It's actually... It, more of these profiles, please. Yeah, and, and look, I think the rules writers have, have figured it out. Yeah, they've come up they've with got, some good ones recently. They've got the secret sauce now. Yeah. Just they, do a gone, shaman. Copy and that's... paste Imrahil. <laughs> 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 they've gone, give shaman special rules. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Uh, but no, like using a shaman as a base. I think you know it's 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 interesting to think about the um, the difference. This is a bit of a tangent. Here, yeah, quick tangent. We'll quick come tangent. back to it. But I think one of the defining features of MESBG is the fact that, broadly speaking, the good side gets big bashy heroes, mm-hmm. and the the evil side gets cool magic mm-hmm, casters. Mm-hmm. If I'm oversimplifying things and dumbing things right yes. down, right? Because there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. But the really cool thing, like I'm thinking off the top of my head, um, like uh, Muzga, the new mm-hmm. shaman, War of the North, um, Kardush, Kardush, Firecaller, Brogir, Ashrak, all these yeah. different even kind the of... even the chill old shadow shamans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's power there, right? Exactly. Um, like all of these guys. Um, bring a real interesting flavour yeah. and um, there's a different them... kind of menace to them yeah. where Aragorn's just like I'm going to beat the shit out of you <laughs> these guys are like I'm going to fuck you up but I'm not going to kill you yeah yeah or like they're a little bit more subtle which is cool it's mm. very cool um, is there anything else that you want to talk about well we never this? even got to his paint job no we didn't <laughs> so yeah Broggy cool model the the intricacy with his face is that it's First of all, he's got like spider eyes. I don't know why. He's got like yeah, six okay. slots for each side, which is yeah, cool. Into it. And yeah, he's got that like crest that turns into a mm. basically dragon wings or whatever. Now that was cool because it had like a clear point that sticks out. So you go, yeah. there's the metal there. Or there's the highlight section, sorry. And then the top of the wings, of course, you highlight that. Cause yeah. It brings it all together. Makes sense. It made a real clear transition. But yeah, the mask, because it's split into two halves, what was easy about it is that you go, well, one side's like shadow. Like one side's the dark side. Yes. And then you edge highlight the very opposite end to then bring everything from the middle to that brightness becomes the contrast. Yeah. But then, of course, the other side, you have to start with the the highlight and then wane off into the dark sort of browns to bring that. And then the center line is obviously your tip and that's Mm. as bright as you get. Mm. So basically, you put the dark next to the brightest light Fade it off into dark and then do the opposite on the other side. Go brightest light, fade it off into the dark, and then I'm pretty sure you 
probably put a tip at the end there as well. So tell me, are you imagining all of that before you even put paint to brush? Or yes. Is that, yeah, okay. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, you have to plan out the NMM or it, or it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to hit the right spots. Yeah. I mean, we already said that like eight times. Um, well, so. it's, just, it's interesting because like I'm, I'm at a stage where I sometimes have to repaint two or three times yep. to get the NMM right because I'm figuring it out yeah. as I paint because I haven't figured out all the geometries and how to make it look yeah. right. I know when it looks wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's the thing with NMM. <laughs> it's like, as soon as it looks wrong, it looks real wrong. Well, and, and you've mentioned this before, but it, and this is pretty generally true for my stuff, it's a little stylized as well. Like, yeah. it doesn't need to look absolutely perfect as long as you can create the illusion of the effect. Yeah, sure. And I think that's going to be true for Brawl Gear. Yeah. Like, I don't think were this to go into like a golden demon or whatever and they would go like oh what's he trying to do with the metal like it, it wouldn't fly there but stylistically you go there's the metal yeah and you can see it yeah it's a very interesting point i mean you know you can get caught up watching youtube channels of people trying to coach you through like this is how you do nmm for competition painting mm. and like you know you've got the reflections and then you've got the sub like the the sub reflections and then the ambient light reflections mm -hmm. and and i'm sitting there going yeah but like i want to play games too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and you're exactly right it's like y your paint job sells the idea of it being metal mm. convincingly and it looks great mm. up close and it looks great on the table yeah that's the part that always trips me out once I've finished it, you look at it really close and you yeah. still go, oh yeah, that's pretty that's good. That's gold. That's really good. Isn't it? That's yeah. gold. Yeah. And of course, you just like, looking at the base parts, you go, that's brown and that's yellow. Yeah. Oh, here we are. Anyway, it's NMM interesting. If you guys aren't painting it at home, give try and get on it. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. It's not um, as scary as you think it might be. Yeah. I, I would say that there's a lot to learn, but you definitely become a better painter because it makes you really think about where you're placing the highlight. <laughs> and and that skill then translates to the rest of the model. Mm. When you start painting the rest of the model, and you start going, oh, I don't need to highlight all the cloth. Mm. I just need to sell the illusion that the cloth is in shadow here yep. and lighter there. Yep. And I think it actually, for me, it's kind of sped up some of my paintwork. Yeah. Because I, I look at it much more holistically and go, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with contrast, and how do I get to that end goal? Yep. You know, it doesn't have to be super smooth gradients and highlights and all the rest, like layering. Yeah. You just need to sell the effect. I mean, I peaked some of your up and coming models and you're right. There's more compared to your older stuff. It's more like dark and bright yeah. rather than like you've tried to transition everything perfectly neatly, yeah. even though like it doesn't need to be. Yeah. And well, it still looks just as good. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, when you look at it from half a table away, it looks exactly yeah, well, there's the also same that. as, as the, the stuff that I painted a year ago, but I'm painting it in half the time. Yeah. So I'm actually enjoying it much more because I can get potentially <laughs> more armies on the table, which mm. is the end, end goal. Anyway, tangent aside, tangent yeah. aside, we've talked um, about his mask. The rest of his armor complements it without, we can't overpower the mask yeah. because the yeah. mask is the centerpiece. It's, yeah, it's such a draw. It's it, so really cool. it really is. And it's funny. Up until, a, I think, a couple of episodes ago, you were talking... I can't remember what episode it was. I think it might have been Slow Grow. Mm. You mentioned the fact... Ah, it was Minimize. 
minimise. Yep. We were talking about face masks. Yeah, yeah, true. And the fact that um, Easterlings all have face masks. I actually didn't tweet to that until really? you hopped into... Because I've never painted an Easterling. Yeah. I've never played Easterlings. Yeah, true. So, um, you know, looking at it at face value, that's not something that I picked up on. Mm. And now that you've said that, it's like I'm really Stuck. keyed in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, just, it's such a great feature of the army. I love it. Yeah. Now, power to them. I've seen people like, particularly when Rutabi came out, convert her to have a face showing and stuff like that. Yeah. And look, it totally looked cool. Yeah. Dig it for other people to have. And it was a cool conversion, the one that I'm seeing in particular, like picturing in particular. It obviously had like, I think an Eowyn or maybe I, an Arwen's I head. Saw you the know same, the exact yeah, yeah, one? I saw the same one. Looked yeah. fucking sick. Yeah, and they, I think they like reposed the, the helmet in the... I think so. ...in the arm. And yeah. I was like, that's sick. Yeah. Again, not what I want for mine. It's can like, appreciate. But I can appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, the fact that they all have masks, it's such a cool feature. Yeah. Because... I mean, no other army has that. No. It's so unique to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's done really, really well. And um, what's been interesting to see is that, obviously, the there was the wetter design of the original mm. masks, but they've since added to it subtly with the acolytes. And, I mean, the acolytes copped a little bit of flack online. Oh, <laughs> it's not their fault they're so buff. <laughs> I was talking They've more just about been doing the reps. The mask... Oh, there was there was talk about the, sorry. the eye distance on the look, you know, <laughs> buff boys. Besides, hey, say that to their face. Well, yeah, they can look around corners. Um, uh, but no, I I honestly actually think it's really cool that Games Workshop have designed these kind of alternative masks that fit really well within the existing canon of mm. the weather designs and actually build upon it. And I think also tell a bit of a narrative that leans into the dragon emperor mm. um, aesthetic mm-hmm. like they've as a design piece i think they've done really well at articulating the nuance of hierarchy yep. in eastling land <laughs> in rune in the runish culture in the runish yep. culture and um and and that's a really nice subtle cue well um, and this is a nice subtle cue to our next model Segway. What have we got? It's only bloody Imrahil 2.0, aka the uh, great dragon emperor himself. Mm, who has the coolest mask yeah. in, the, in the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, competing with Brawgear, of course. Yeah, but uh, I would say that Brawgear comes, you know, a fair distance back second. Yeah, yeah I, I, the, good. All right, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, no. The dragon emperor's mask is. Uh, truly a terrifying sight to behold on yeah. the battlefield, I would say. Yeah. yeah, and we've mentioned that obviously my Easterlings go Japanese aesthetic and this works yeah. really well into it. Yeah. I mean, I know the weather, it was kind of like a, a combination of cultures. It had Japan, like, um, I think Parthians. Anyway, a bunch of cultures combined together to make yeah. this effect. Um, the cool thing with the Dragon Emperor, of course, is that he's rocking what I believe is called a, men, a Menpo. Which yeah. uh, in uh, Romaji we just call an Oni mask. Uh, so that big demon face, and um, you, you see them all the time on like those decorative samurai armor. Yeah, where they've got that half mask. Yeah, so <sighs> imagine good. seeing that like Can in real imagine? life with a dude with a fuck off katana yeah. behind it, and you're like, all right, I'll go I'm, over there now. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, yeah, no, totally. The intim, it's the 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 intimidation factor is definitely there. Um, and it's the sculpt on the model, 
like it's interesting because those masks yes they've got a lot of depth I'm talking real world the the only mask like they've got a yep. lot of depth to them but it's captured so well in this gold yeah I don't know how they've done it yeah. seriously yeah like how did they get a fully and he's like expressive yeah face. Yeah, yeah, yeah how yeah, did yeah. they do that yeah unreal incredible incredible sculpt um, so the mask there I mean before we get into the paint job yeah right, let's just take a step back yeah because right? we want to talk about the dragon emperor this is a pretty serious model True. to undertake. Yeah. Right? So in terms of size, scale, there's a lot of pieces going in. Yep. What was your approach to actually putting it together? <laughs> One step at a time. <laughs> um, the the anyone who's put the emperor together and and painted him up will know he's got a a little bit of that Shelob effect going on in that oh, okay. it does not come together cleanly. Sure. Because we've got resin parts. Sometimes they're not perfectly straightened yeah. and everything doesn't fit quite right. Are we so, talking specifically about the palanquin? This is here? the palanquin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. The, the okay. palanquin was misaligned uh, for, for my one. Oh, sorry, rather, Jono's one. Um, and I reckon there was two of the dragon bearers um, didn't quite fit in uh, because one of the other parts was like too low or too yeah, high. Okay. So they didn't slot in perfect. Yeah. Now look, it took, you know, a bit of uh, hammering and some super glue and we got there. <laughs> no, don't worry, John, I know actual hammers we used. Um, and we got there, but uh, yeah, putting it together was pretty tough. Yeah. Obviously the emperor himself, piece of cake, the, the bearers, piece of cake, yeah. but the palanquin and, and trying to get them all together. Yeah. Pretty challenging. Tough. Tough. Yeah. And so then... You, I'm assuming you kind of assembled it all, which was its own undertaking, <laughs> dry fitted it, but then did you paint it in sub-assembly? Yeah, yeah good question. 100% sub-assembly. Because there's so, so much detail there. Well, it, the trick is there's so much detail and the good news is you can separate them because yep. they're kind of their own entity yep. on their own and then you put them all together and it fits quite well. I yeah. mean, you want to make sure you've got your color balances and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, holistically, but you can paint them as their own separate entity and it, it works out totally fine. Awesome. So yeah, sub-assembled. I mean, the palanquin was its own thing. The bearers were their own thing. And then the, the big daddy himself was uh, his own thing as well. Okay. All right. Well, three elements. Let's talk about mm. them individually. Let's start with the palanquin. Um, mm. In terms of painting it, it's a pretty substantial, like size piece yep. and you've got a, quite a bit of detail going on so off the top of my head i can think of a couple of different kind of key elements you've got the the fabric cloth yeah draped over it the um the dragons and then kind of the filigree detail around the the canopy yeah the term for the lattice the lattice thank yeah. you yeah. yes <laughs> so those are the kind of the three things that i can see but is there more going on beyond that that I can't see having painted it. Well, a little bit, yeah. So the the palanquin kind of has the most going on, of course, because it's the sizable part of the model. Sure. It's got the wood as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the wood is more or less applied to be the negative to everything else anyway. Mm. Um, I mean, hence why you've sort of overlooked it. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. So there was the wood. Um, like you said, there were the drapes and everything like that. Now. I guess the interesting parts that I'm going to point out is that I didn't put the banner on the back of the lattice. So there's more parts to this model than oh, okay. than you would see online. Yeah. There's supposed to be a big banner on the back. Yep. There's supposed to be the six uh, black dragon bearer shields like ah, draped on the side. Yes. yes. Um, but I'm like, they're there as a palanquin bearer. I mean, I understand at a certain point, what if 
shit goes down. Yeah, yeah But yeah. you've got one job, mate. Yeah, yeah. If you're getting a scrap, you're getting in a scrap without yeah, you're your taking shield, right? that, You're taking that sword to the gut. Yep. Hold it up. Exactly. So I did leave off a few little bits, but I did that because I feel like those bits would sort of take away from what it's supposed to be. Sure. It's the Emperor's palanquin. Yeah. It's not the palanquin's banner and the palanquin's shields. Like, <laughs> the more elements that take away from the Emperor, I think the worst yeah. basically and let's be clear here that little scrap of cloth isn't providing the banner effect it's that mask yeah. and the emperor himself yeah. standing up on the palanquin and that's that's the funny part i mean everyone goes oh it's a banner because there's a banner here i'm like are you kidding it's a banner because you've you're friggin emperors you 10 foot dude? tall with a, a yeah the the only mask yeah, fucking yeah, shouting yeah. orders at you of course yeah. you're gonna go harder <laughs> You don't care about the banner that's strapped to the back of a no lattice. No one's looking at that. Ugh. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Getting too too energized about this. Uh, so you've talked about the the wood. The cloth is uh, the cloth is a beautiful purple, is it not? Mm, I mean, my signature. Um, <laughs> so very much don't have one of that effect of like royalty, and of yep. course, gold and purple is the perfect color yep. for that. Um, so that played into my to my skills, which yep. was really good because this is a very important model to get right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and did again, you feel the pressure on this one? Oh, right? Like, didn't adjust. Because, like, I'd imagine that the other models is kind of business as usual. Captain, mm-hmm. Dragon Knight, even Brogier, you know, Forge World, Resin. You know, you, there's a <laughs> yeah. little bit of pressure there. Brogier and Rutabi, they're just $40 models. Whatever. <laughs> but this, this... This is, is a, what, 120 More, I think. More, I think, yeah. More. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Depends where you live in the world. <laughs> where we live in the world, it's a bit more. Yeah. Um, so the 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 pressure was there. The purple is definitely that regal royal purple, which is really lovely. Um, and then talk us through in terms of the selection for the the dragons on the side. Yeah. Well, this this is it. So initially, my idea was they were going to be gold. Yep. Um, but to play off the purple was that the was that the idea of that? Yeah, point? to kind of play off the purple and to tie in with the dragon emperor. Yeah. But I had half painted them um, and started applying the yellow, like the yellow aspect of the gold. Yeah. And I put the Dragon Emperor on top. And this yeah. is when I was, this is what I'm talking about with like the holistic look. Yeah. As soon as I did that, I was like, oh, they're actually detracting from the Dragon Emperor. Because he stands out amongst the palanquin because he's the gold part. Sure. Nothing. Yeah. So more, I mean, parts of it are gold, but as a rule, yeah. everything's wood or blue or purple. Yeah. He's the gold. So he's the signature. I mean, the bearers are gold, but there's a big um, drop in where they're located. So suddenly they're not important. You can take away, like the gold doesn't detract there. But those dragons, because they're quite big Mm. and they're quite near, um, they really took away from the emperor. So I basically immediately messaged John and was like, hey, I'm just going to do this different. Because I basically told him what I was planning. I was like, hey, we're swapping this. And he's like, cool, whatever you want to (laughs) do. Great client. Um, yeah, very liberal. I, I got full say, basically, in, in, once I had the idea in mind. Um, so we just trusted my judgment, which was really good. Uh, so, yeah, painted them blue instead. Yep. Of course, to tie in with the rest of the sort of blue aspect, which is partly on the Emperor, and, of course, mainly on that lattice section as well. So, yeah, he's the, he's the gold. He's nice. basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense. Makes mm. sense. And it, and it works really well compositionally because you've got that... I mean, it's a different kind of blue, though, right? Yes, that's true. Actually, that's important to point out. So the lattice is quite bright. Mm. And much like the Brogier and Rutabi's blue, mm. it's kind of teal. Yeah. 
Um, and same with the uh, the Emperor, he's got teal on his, his cape as well. These guys are like a dark blue. Mm. So I wanted them to tie in like color-wise, but I wanted them to be as dark as possible. Like, cause like I said, when they were bright, they stand out quite a bit. Mm. Mm. Um, because yeah, they're quite large and you know, they're kind of imposing as, as is. Yeah. So you want them to, well, in my case, I wanted the Emperor to stand out. Yep. So I wanted them to be more subtle. So yeah, they were darker as a result. So just one of those things that you think would look good and then you have to go, wait a minute, I've changed my, I've changed plans here and you've just got to, you know, backstep, change what you're doing, which um, you don't do often. Well, I think in this case you have to because there is so much going on mm. in this model. It's very hard to balance everything um, theoretically before you yeah. start painting. Yeah. Right. So that's true. There's an element of painting to find out. Mm. And I think the skill of a good painter is being able to pivot and go, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. Let's not force it. Let's change tact and figure out how to make it work as opposed to just trying to square peg. Exactly. That's, that's what I was thinking. It's like I can push through Mm. and it might end up looking okay in the end, or I can do what I think is right. Yeah. Stop trying to jam this square peg and change tack. So yeah. Very cool. That's it's interesting to hear that kind of that thought process and and figuring out on the fly how how things go together. Um, the lattice work I think is just a beautiful piece of geometry. Mm. <laughs> I just well, every 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 dragon emperor that I see, I actually probably spend more time looking at the lattice work and mm. looking at different people's approaches because everyone's got a different approach. Mm-hmm, yours mm-hmm. is uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about how you've gone about? Well, I'm, I'm glad you, you hummed in on it because I agree. I think this lattice work is so nice. So good. It's really, really well done. Yeah. I mean, they've probably just copy and pasted the squares, but fuck, it looks perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with mine, of course, it's it's the blue and I basically, you know, painted all blue and I, I think I did maybe two or maybe three highlights because I'm going into this teal colour mm. and it was just a matter of pinpointing the edges of every square. Mm. And that was kind of it. And it makes the lattice just pop out. So Because you've got that so huge bright spot next to the huge dark spot. Yeah. And it's in such a um, geometric, perfect alignment sort of shape that it just looks freaking sick, basically. Yeah, you, you, you get the depth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really easy. Exactly. And there's a lot of depth there. So, like, the, the physical model is doing a lot of the work. And really, all you have to do as a painter is just accentuate that, which is what you've done. Yeah, I like what you said because the model does do the work. Yeah. Like the modeling was all of it. I just had to put the paint where the model was telling me. Yeah, yeah, um, which is not always the case, mm. especially with a lot of the older sculpts <laughs> where you got to do the work. Um, so is there anything else that you want to talk about with the palanquin? I think that probably covers off all the constituent parts, but is there something that we've missed? Um, Well, there's something we've missed as a whole on the day. Okay. So, on the actual day, I didn't have my models painted. I I say models. I had the things that I didn't have painted was about six or seven ninjas. Yep. And it was the palanquin bearers. So, the six lads at the bottom. Yeah, okay. Okay. Emperor was done. Yep. And looking fucking schmick. Schmick. Uh, But his six lads, they were chilling in their black undercoats. (laughs) 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 <laughs> love it love it and those six models like the 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 um the dragon let's call them bearers dragon bearers 
they've got a hell of a lot of detail on them. That's the trick. Like, they're no slouch. Like, each one of those is a project in its own right. Yep. And you've got six of them. The, the Black Dragons uh, took... There's just a lot. Of, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. They've got that upward sort of scale mail type yeah. deal going on. Yeah, and it's Forge World crisp. Like, you crisp. can't just rush that. Yeah. That's detail. It needs yeah. attention. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't rush it. Yeah. Because, of course, I was able to come back like a week or two later, give them their proper due. Yeah. Um, whereas, if I was trying to rush these for the tournament, I reckon it would have been a scrap job. Which, again, given the circumstances of a commission... Probably not a good idea. <laughs> You've got a reputation to uphold. Yeah. But, it, you know, like we've, we've talked about this on, uh, on the podcast in the past. Sometimes real life gets in the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't rock up with a fully painted army. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. Literally our last tournament podcast. Yeah. Uh, minimized. Yeah, minimized. Yeah. Tiram rocked up. Didn't have his lads painted because life got in the way. Yeah. Very much the same. Yeah. I had the time spaced out for myself to paint these guys for this tournament. Something hit the fan. It might have been shit. Uh, and just didn't have the time. Yeah. So. And it's that classic thing. Like, you know, we've got a tournament coming up relatively soon. I've got another, you know, kind of 10 models to paint. Uh, you know, if life goes well, I'll get them all painted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if the proverbial shit hits the fan, <laughs> then maybe I'll get them all painted. And that's the thing. Like, you know, hobby, it is a hobby after all. Mm. And um, as much as we... Um, profess to love the the hobby aspect and and painting sometimes there is a limit to it yeah i mean we love it we spend a lot of time doing it and that's kind of the catch-22 yeah we spend a lot of time doing it yeah yeah so if something if something bars the gate yeah 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 that's it so but importantly i think let's focus on the positive of the dragon emperor which you did get painted you 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 got the on foot and the riding his palanquin Mm -hmm. Uh, model now let's start all right which sculpt is better oh good question i personally love the on foot one yeah more yes me too he's just in this like duelist like active duelist pose yeah and he just looks like he could fuck shit up yeah, yeah, yeah. now the one on the palanquin's pretty lordly he's pretty robust he's cool he looks like a banner he's pointing his sword yeah like any good leader yep he looks like a banner <laughs> <laughs> but the one on foot, oof, it's just that it has that intimidation in the what menace. he's doing. Yeah, it's the interesting because you know he's uh, a single model on a twenty-five mil base. He has as much presence as the palanquin model mm, on a ninety mil base. Huge base. Huge base. Huge base. Um, and yeah, the the menace and the that that mask that we've talked about before, mm. I think, mm. goes a long way to kind of reinforcing the the menace behind that that pose. How was it to paint though? Yeah, actually, he was lovely. If you if you can imagine a Forge World model being good to paint, he his armor obviously it's all pristine. That mask having detail on the like having face detail for an Easterling was very interesting mm. um, but it was really cool uh, picking out all the different teeth and, and making the eyes like sunk a little bit and all that sort of stuff amazing yeah. and the, the cloth is all perfect yeah. the cape it, this is like the positive and negative the cape is doing a lot the yeah. cape is proper flowing yeah. and where that's good it has a lot of detail in itself so I can just paint it on where that's bad is um, Jono actually want, initially wanted some freehand on the cape. And 
I was game for the idea. Just like write some runes, do something like that. Yeah. Like some Eterlink runes are cool. But in the end, it was just sort of like, look, the cape's already busy enough. Yeah. And I didn't want to add on yeah. to that. Yeah. So, sorry, Jono, we didn't get everything. Um, the, yeah, lovely. Um, that's my only misgiving, but that's not actually a misgiving because the cape still looks good. Mm. Like, it's mm. not taking away from the model. It just took a little bit from my hobby, that's all. Yeah, it just limits you in terms of what you can actually get on there. And I, I totally agree. Sometimes if, if cloth is moving too much, then freehand, you kind of, unless you're going to spend you know, hours and hours and hours, it's very hard to get it to read as anything other than kind of a smudge mm. mm. smear. And that's the trick is cloth, um, when it's waving, you have to tuck it yeah so if i'm doing like letters yeah i have to tuck half the yeah, letter yeah, yeah and then the next letter underneath will be untucking yeah, yeah so you can't see the full you're not going to be able to read it you're yeah, not going to be you can't read yeah, it basically you can't, you can't appreciate um the artistry there um, so but instead look we were able to squeeze some runes on the captain he's got his shield on the back it's got some freaking schmick runes have a look at that runes runes of rune uh, yeah the runes of rune uh but anyway yeah stick with the positives he was a great model like Unreal. The cleanest uh, Easterling around, if you can imagine. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, well, I think that covers the, the details of um, the models. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. want to um, check to see if Geordie has been telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, <laughs> go and check out the Instagram um, and feast your eyes on some lovely um, photos of the, the Easterlings. We'll, we'll probably be featuring these Easterlings uh, potentially in an upcoming uh, episode mm, yep we won't share anything more on that but um they may feature again uh in the near future so stay tuned for that but i think we've covered everything about yeah. this army let's yep. pack it up and go and have a look back in time back in time we've got to go back to the future back to the future so present geordie is going to go back in time and enter the tournament shall we just look through the palantir that's what we've got. That might, be, that might be the way That's to go. That's why we've got it here. Yeah, we brought it. Come on. We paid a couple grand for it, so let's, let's use it. <laughs> let's have a look. So it begins. All right, g'day guys. Geordie here at All Systems Go, round one, and I'm here with my opponent, Brody. Howdy, guys. All right, so now, I guess, first of all, the hobby aspect of your list, what have you brought today and what's the sort of idea behind the colors and everything? All right, so uh, a lot of my army was a combination of multiple different paint <laughs> Actually, jobs from different people. Um, ironically enough, it all does quite match quite well. Um, it's all very colorful and vibrant. Um, my list today, it was Elrond with a battalion of high elves and a banner with some knights. Yeah. Um, Lindia on horse leading another battalion of warriors and then Gildor leading a battalion of Noldorian exiles yeah. um, which are just basic wood elves but they get an extra two inches of movement every yeah, turn. Yeah, and they were decked out too, throwing daggers, bows, the works. They were. Um, they're, they're such a cool profile. They are. They're very cool models. Um, so, yeah, you, you've got an eclectic mix because you've, <laughs> you pointed this out at the start of the game. Yeah. Three different painters contributed to your army. Yeah, so... Um, my wood elves were all painted by a friend of mine, Nathan Shuttleworth. Um, my basic Rivendell warriors and heroes were all painted by Jacob Lucas. Uh, and then all of my knights and a couple other heroes were also painted up and borrowed by Sheldon Sparks. <laughs> no, that's good. It's 
It's interesting to hear somebody like ra like ragtag a bunch of other people's models to make a tournament, but I guess 800 points does that, hey? Look, I haven't played many games with Rivendell in the past, um, and so it was just kind of trying to get together painted versions of yeah. the models that yeah. I already had. Yeah. So I just kind of had to work with what I had for the time being for a fun list. Nah, nice. And all right, on to the game. Yeah. Round one, we had Fog of War, and you yeah. were versing the Dragon Emperor and, and a, a fucking horde of ninjas. What were you thinking? Look, the Dragon Emperor is extremely scary to go up against when you don't have multiple massive heroes. Yeah, true. Um, you know, if I had have gone up against it with Elrond and Glorfindel or two massive heroes where I was forcing him to strike up, it would yeah. have been a different story. But, oh, look, <laughs> it, it, it was just pretty much a flash kill on Elrond with the, the Dragon Emperor and those two attacks on each of those acolytes just mess up your front rank. Yeah, that was interesting. So I actually think you were in an okay position at the start as far as your where you were set up and where you chose to fight. Yeah. Um, the hard part was, so like basically it was this real funnel between two buildings. Yeah. Like it, it would, it would, the Dragon Emperor took up half of it. Basically. Yeah, it was pretty um, much a shield wall where you only needed one model for every two yeah, of mine. Yeah, so. but that was it. Like I could only get one model onto every spear. Yeah, you know, combo for yours. But I still threw the same amount of dice. Yeah, the same attack. I'll tell you what, Elven Blades fucking happened every combat. Oh, it was nuts. It was the only <laughs> chance that I had to stay in for <laughs> yeah. as many rounds as I did. Um, and the very first turn, you didn't quite plug the gap fully. Yeah. Um, so you won the roll-off, but you couldn't quite plug the gap. And yeah. then that second turn, basically, it came down to if I won that roll-off, I was able to, like, can open a, your line, yeah. get the ninjas in the back. Yeah. No, I, I definitely... I had a bit of a plan, hoping that I had priority and things were going my way, but I think you're right. The gap was just big enough that you were able to get through and get into my back line and kind of counter all of the plans that I originally had set out. Well, and this was funny because you questioned the decision, I think. I had a yeah. captain... Win a beat a uh, Rivendell Knight in combat. Yeah, which is a big forty mil base. Yeah, uh, and I spent a point of might, so yeah. I rolled a four to wound. So I spent the point of might, and you were like, "Really? Yeah, I, I didn't think in the moment the the positional advantage yeah. that it would have given you yeah. that forty mil base the fight. completely like blocked it. Yeah, once he once he died, I could literally get about four or five inches deep into your yeah. line. So, and I think that was the point that the game kind of changed was the second oh, you got yeah. into my back line and could start trapping everyone. Everything yeah. kind of yeah. changed from there. So, um, and speaking of trapping everyone, I had my Dragonite fight uh, Lindia. Ah uh, yes. On on the first turn, I got the sneaky charge, and yeah. then he survived. He did somehow. I'm Through not a blade sure wrath. How. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. As soon as I got in the back, I was able to get Lindia trapped. Yeah. And I believe this turn was the Elrond trap as well. I think so. Yeah. yeah. That was the turn with Elrond where so... we. I, I made the the bold decision to either take twenty five dice against Elrond needing five. Yeah. Or heroic strike in the chance of winning. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The heroic defense v the heroic strike. Yeah. Normally, I think that was would be an easy decision if if I'm like any normal hero. Yeah. I'm throwing eight dice and yeah. my support characters are throwing one dice each. Yeah. Exactly. But this model throws nine dice. Yeah, especially, by two. especially when you're trapped. Yeah, like it's not like going up against a Gilgalad or anything like yeah. that. This is a, a model that can single-handedly take down like six different models in one turn. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, just crazy. And importantly, and uh, if everyone's read the FAQ, and I won't say this again, I'll just mention it in here, that um, the Blade Wrath and or Enchanted Blades 
from Brogear onto the Dragon Emperor hits up and down. Yeah. So I was chucking strength six at you. Yeah. Which, which was pretty key there because otherwise yeah. it's sixes to wound. I, I was going to say it turned it, into five. It's still scary when it's sixes to wound with twenty <laughs> with dice, but it's dice. even worse when it's fives <laughs> to wound with twenty dice. So, um, so we I think we only ended up with exactly six wounds on him, but you know what? Yeah, you there, take that, don't you? Yeah. Look, there were there were six dice. That's a, a natural kill on Alrond, which is a little bit upsetting to see. Pretty hard to do. It's it's pretty Dude's bad. Not soft. But I'll, I'll tell you what, the the army that you had was pretty much a counter to any form of magic that I tried to do yes. in my list today. Yeah. Um, you know, the ability to anytime a knight charges in be able to check if you're knocked down or not with the acolytes was just <laughs> well, that was insane. The very first so. turn Elrond knocks down or recharges three Dragon Knight uh, uh, Dragon Acolytes. Yeah. I fail all three and just yeah. get all knocked down. And then I don't think there was <laughs> a turn after failed, that yeah. where anybody else got knocked down. So um but all the while, you had your Noldorene set up on the other end. I did. What I, was the plan? Well, the the plan originally was to kind of have Elrond and Lindia take the, the shield wall and help them out a bit, whilst I have my knights flank one side and my Noldorians on the other. Yeah. But I think the terrain today, I didn't get enough of an evaluation of it, and it took too many turns to yes. be able to get around to that flank. They were, they were so, big buildings, yeah. They were. So it wasn't very... There weren't a lot of open spaces. There were very big buildings. Yeah. And I think by the time I was able to get around, most of my wall had already been countered. So... Yes. Yeah. A little bit unfortunate. It was, but... it was a quick combat, and I think that's partly because I have so many attacks and I'll either die yeah. or my heroes sort of outfought you so I I was actually consistently killing elves yeah. which is pretty hard to do it was it was very strange as somebody who's used to playing elves normally they <laughs> at least hold the shield wall for an extra couple turns um, but I guess all the while I just conceded those Noldorines yeah. and let them tag whatever terrain you wanted so yeah, pretty I, much. you got that pretty easy yeah um, I guess yeah we flash killed Lindy and Elrond the same turn yeah just basically broke through your line yeah. and then you said Gildor running I did a Gildor look as somebody used defense 4 going up against you know 7 points of might across 5 <laughs> yeah. heroes that are all still alive uh, I didn't like my chances but look he he managed to put a wound on your captain exactly, in the last yeah, turn yeah, yeah. and funnily enough it was my hero for Fog of War so yeah. it, it did get me an extra point as strange as that was because I had the Dragonite charge in and the captain charge in you're the high fight though because I yeah. had to basically Call a combat instead of a strike because a little cheeky elf tagged me. Yeah, and then you rolled the eighty six. I did win it the was, five. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, it's fives to win the dragon knight with no fate. Yeah, or sixes to win the captain, and you're like, I'm gonna strike at the captain. I, I did. I like, see what's going yeah. on here. Like I could have wiped out the horse, but I had approximately three models alive on the board at <laughs> this point, and figured I may as well go for the captain. Yeah, so, so just you, made sense. Yeah, and it, it's got you the extra point, so nice one. Yeah. Um, other than that, it was a pretty cool game. I guess it was a nice first showing for the Dragon Emperor. It was. It's a very beautiful model as well. Very nicely painted as well. Oh, thank you. I mean, halfway there. <laughs> we'll have already talked about it on the potty, guys. But yeah, it, so what's done so far? Very yeah, good. Very, very, very immaculate. Um, and you know what? The 5-5 five five and the Dragon Cults didn't come in too clutch here. Oh, but you know what? Yeah. There was still one or two dice rolls that was forced out instead of just a free win for you. Definitely, so. yeah. It's very different when you're going up against the Rohan or something like that yeah. where you instantly win everything. Yep. At least there were a, a couple rolls there that kind yeah. of went your way, but yep. yeah. No, brilliant. Good game, Brody. Perfect. Thank you very much. It was a lovely game, Jordy. Nice one. So we're back. After round one, uh, you were playing against Brody and his uh, assortment of yeah. elves. His various Rivendells. Rivendells. Um, 
and this was really interesting as I was listening back to the interview, uh, this idea of having somebody else paint your army. Now, we've talked about this in the, <laughs> in the pre-20 chat about, um, you know, commission painting, but interesting to see it on the, from the other side mm-hmm. and especially in Brody's case where he had kind of assembled his three different commission painters into a single force. <laughs> um, did, it, did it look cohesive on the day? It did actually. I were Brody. Well, were I not to have known Brody's army personally, yeah. I played him. I think maybe once or twice before. I knew which elves were his. Yeah. But were I to not have known that, the knights and the um, the elves that he did have, you wouldn't guess. Like yeah, you wouldn't right. know. Yeah. You'd go, oh yeah, they're in the same army because of course both gold. I think they both maybe had um, white, so there was that tie-in color. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the Noldorian exiles. Well, good news. They're an entirely different profile They're and different entirely anyway. different model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were in like this dark green. Yeah. Um, but they still fit in because the Noldorian exiles. They're meant yeah. to be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like. Yeah. The, I like. Just as a side note, I really like this list. Um, mm. Like uh, any time that Gildor gets a run, I'm here for it. Yep. Um, and it, at 800 points, it would be pretty easy to kind of default to having a cu- like a couple of big hitters. Yeah, get your Rowan and Gilgala together. Yeah, and then get a Kirdan and then that's your kind of blind, blinding line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas this, this is actually quite interesting in terms of the list. Mm. But it sounded like Brody um, potentially uh, went into it in a similar way as mm-hmm. I would looking across the table at the um, big bad Easterling Emperor, thinking, what the hell am I going to do with this? Mm. So, talk talk through, was, was, was there any highlights in the game from your perspective? Uh, <laughs> flash killing an Elrond. Now, <laughs> now, I don't know why I hate him so much. It might be the foresight points. I just hate okay. Elrond. Okay. I don't know. Hey, do you hate um, Elrond? In terms of the movies, or do you? Oh, hate... nah, oh, nah. Okay. Just the All model. Right. Just yeah, the model. Yeah. All right. Like, I know Elrond's detracted from the story, and he's in the book, he's actually really nice and yeah, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I love Hugo Weaving, man. Yeah, me too. What, a, too. what a guy. Yeah. So, love Elrond. Anyway, all right. Um, so. Flash killing an Elrond. Flash killing an Elrond. Tasty. That's definitely a highlight. That's up And there. that was the Eastling, uh, the, the Emperor. The Emperor himself, yeah. the coup de gras, uh, or like nine coup de gras. Um. <laughs> and so that's that's interesting though because um, you know he's a buff model, okay. Um, how much do you decide when you're playing him? Is he going to be in the back lines buffing versus mm-hmm. in the front lines crunching? Yeah. So this is the funny part with the emperor. I mean, it's much like his counterpart Imrahil, but better. Um, much. Better. The the trick is when do you need him in the fight? When do you not? He's kind of. Very cheap. Yeah. But what he does, you don't actually need him in the fight. You can't shoot his horse out though, because it's a bloody palanquin, <laughs> so that's why he's better than Imrahil. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um so in this case though, I think the stars aligned as far as first of all winning move offs. And second of all, his ninety mil base is actually so difficult to maneuver. Yeah. You just if if even just like two infantry models like three or four inches apart, will base block him. Mm. Mm. So in this particular case, like I was able to get everyone out of the way 
you just kind of part the Red Sea, like the ninjas just jump to the side and the emperor just swaddles Steam in with his six in. lads. Yeah. Um, and in this case, I was like, look, even Elrond was like at the front of his lines. Yeah. So it was a matter of, he's not even exposed. Like my emperor, even if every, all else fails, my emperor isn't exposed. Yeah. Um, so Bull rushed into, into Elrond and got the traps and the strikes off as you heard. But yeah, the, the push-pull of when do you throw him in, when do you not? The good news is, he is so cost-efficient, you don't need to throw him in. Yeah, six, six inches is long enough, like a big enough buff for that fight bubble. Yeah. And of course, the real power is in the banner, yeah. which is battlefield wide, sorry, yeah. 12 inches. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that in most of the games where I've played him, he is a non-combatant. Yeah, interesting. Until, certainly in the first engagement, because you don't want him to get flash killed, of course. And you don't want your opponent to be able to get their heroes onto him. Yeah. Once the lines hit, like your Aragorn is, their Aragorn is now like, got three ninjas within charge range of him. Mm. You just shift that Emperor six inches to the side. And now Aragorn's still stuck where he is. Mm. And you can part the sea over there, mm. open it up, get the Emperor just chopping lads, mm. like regular lads and everything like that. Mm. Or if you see the weak captain or like that mid-tier hero, of course he takes those on well. His base is just not conducive to taking on lots of people because they can get, you know, the three hunters plus six Dunedain could charge him. Yeah. And there's nothing he can do about it because his base is so fucking big. Yeah. So that's the Dragon Emperor in a nutshell, basically. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, the reason that I bring it up is because at the time of recording, this tournament would have been one of the first, one of the, the more recent ones where he was painted and and available for for taking so people probably on the other side of the table hadn't had much experience playing against yeah for sure so didn't really know what they were in for and i certainly would look at that model on the other side of the table and just kind of go i guess i've just got to try and avoid it but at the same time just avoiding it isn't really doing enough because it's buffing everything yep that's that's very true this would have very early on like, this would have maybe been the first or second showing of the Emperor in Australia. Yeah. Look, I don't know that for sure. As far as tournaments go, I you reckon it would have been. Folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first showing. Uh, no, the hard part is, he's very much all or nothing when you go to kill him, right? Because sure. if you just deal two wounds and don't kill him, the banners are still going, he can run away, he's still yeah. performing, you're not. Yeah. In, as far as, let's pretend you're Aragorn trying to kill 180 points. He's still performing with his banner. Let's say that's 50 points worth every turn. Mm. Aragorn's killing two models. That's 10 points every turn. Mm. Mm. If you don't flash kill him, he's still going, you're not. If you get onto him and do like three wounds to the Palanquin, same thing. Doesn't matter. You have to get all the wounds or nothing. And so then it becomes like, well, I've just got to fight everyone else. I either have to go all in or I don't go in at all and try and win everything else. And then it's the same sort of thing. The Emperor's still accruing his points turn by turn. Just by existing. Just by existing. It's a very interesting way of putting it. Mm. Very interesting. Sorry, Brody, we've taken away from our game, but uh, <laughs> it is certainly an interesting conversation because you're right. It's this is the first viewing of this model, and it's yeah. yeah, yeah these yeah. are these are my first reps with it. Yeah. You know, actually using it in game oh, properly. Inter- it's interesting to to get that that loadout. But let's get back to the game with Brody. Uh, is there anything else that I mean, we heard it all in the interview. Yeah, Is there basically. anything else that you, you want to talk about um, with this one? There were two knights on the wing that whipped every single turn. It was hilarious. Uh, that's kind Brody's of... Brody's nice? Yeah, Brody's nice. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Couldn't win a combat to save their life. It was really funny. 
<laughs> this was against Fight Four Acolytes too, you no, know, mind you. They were yeah. out of the bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so very funny there. Uh, that was kind of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I very think so. good. And I suppose bringing it back to um, kind of full circle yeah. where we started talking about this with the, the commission painting, how did you find it as like, you know, being a commission <laughs> painter yourself, um, standing on the, on the other side, um, playing against someone uh, who had brought their commission painted army? Yes, it's, it was finally relevant. Yeah. You know, this, this is kind of the first time I brought out these commissioned models. Yeah. And here I am versing commissioned models. It was really cool because, like Brody mentioned at the start, he's just like, I brought what I could that was painted. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, he yeah, got yeah. to play with a painted army. Yeah. And, um, look, I don't know everything about Brody's life, but it sounds like he's a pretty busy boy. Yeah. If he can't make the time for painting and he's happy to get someone else to do it, this has brought, uh, presumably, brought him some joy having yeah. a fully painted elven army yeah, yeah, yeah. to a tournament and able to, to rock it out, which is really cool. It is cool. And I think it like, you know, for, for you and me who obviously spend a lot of time painting, it's a bit of a foreign concept. So it's something that I mm. find interesting to chew on because um, you're right, like Brody, when you talk to Brody, um, he he's kind of described it to me in the past where he's like, <laughs> I kind of want to like catch them all. Like I want to mm, have, mm, I want to have an every army, single army. Like yep. I want to have an army painted by a different person. Like I want these guys to be my Geordie army. Cause he, <laughs> you've painted an army for him. Um, yeah. Brody yeah. Past, I reckon right? he's got 40 Uruks yeah. or something, of, something like that. So he's like, he's collected the Geordie yep. army. He's, yep. you know, there were three guys that had painted these models. It's an interesting um, kind of approach. And he obviously really enjoys playing the game. Mm-hmm. He loves to play it painted. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he likes kind of a broad range of different painting styles as well. Yeah. That's yeah. the interesting thing because for, I think for Brody, and I don't want to speak on his behalf, but like, he has a very broad range of different painted models. I think did Jim paint yeah. army for him? Jim's as well? done his Rohan. Yeah. I think. So yep. like again, like Jim and you are kind of similar. Yeah, in we, your we have some similarities. Some but... similarities there. But then some of the other armies that I've seen of his are painted by different guys who have completely different yep. approaches. Yep. Which again is kind of cool because it means like as the person playing it, you can have all of these different <laughs> style of models to put down on the table. And like, you don't have to spend the hours trying to figure out these different techniques. Yeah. You just like, you just, <laughs> you got to pay you for have them on tap. But it's an interesting idea. Like, yeah. because for me, if I were to, if I were to go down that route of commissioning someone to do um, painting, I'd probably want, like, if I did that once, I'd probably want them all to match. Yes. Because my OCD would be yeah. like, well, <laughs> I want the water map. Um, so, again, it's kind of interesting to see a different approach, um, mm. which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's good because, yeah, you're right. That we, we're too, maybe too hobby-focused to be able to see it from that side. Yeah. So, we were able to hear it straight from Brody, yeah. uh, which, was, which was great. And he seemed to be fact with it, which is all you, all you, all you want, basically. All you want. Well, let's get into um, round two. Yep. All right, g'day, guys. Jordy here at the end of round two with... Uh... <laughs> A very repeat opponent. Yes, hello. It's it's me again. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> We've got Damo back on the potty for probably the sixth one in a row. All right. So, what did you bring today? So, I've brought my daddy daycare list. Yes, this made me chuckle when I read it. What so, have we got going on? So, I've got big man Denethor with his mm-hmm. favoured son, mm-hmm. Boromir mm-hmm. of the White Tower. Yes. And Notable then, absence of Faramir. Yes. Yeah, so this is probably maybe before Faramir was born, or maybe before <laughs> Denethor realised that he had a second son. Yeah, yeah, he's just left him at home by accident. Yeah, he's like, 
I swear I had a second one, but there's an empty horse here. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, and then I've also got Thaden and Thadred. Yes. So an an alliance, and not one that you see often. Was there game thoughts or just flavor thoughts going on? Uh, here? It's just flavor. Yeah. It's yeah. And I I said it when I made it. I'm like, strong heroes, but it probably won't perform well, just for the fact that you got Denethor. He's he's kind of a point sink. He's only thirty five points. I was say, he's but not a point sink if you're hoarding. That's it. I, well, I don't have the biggest hoard. Yeah. Um, I've got thirty nine models. Yeah. So you're not abusing his warband space, really. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was it was just the theme, you know, Rohan and Gondor. What if Gondor didn't let the Westfold burn? What if they got yeah. to Rohan before Theodred went to the Fords of Isen mm-hmm. and they took down Saruman together and then, you know, the 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 return of the what is it, the red arrow? Yep. To signify the yeah. alliance between hey. the two. So nice. Um, yeah, no, it's been alright. Look, I actually don't hate the list. I think it's pretty decent. You the synergies, I mean, we don't want to talk about gameplay too much, but you've got the synergies, so you've got I mean, the shabby Rohirrim at the front. Yep. But you've got Boromir's banner and then high fight Gondorian. So you can get 5-5. Well, that was the idea, having a mass line of throwing spears backed by reliable high fight spear supports outside of a legion for Rohan, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And you know how I like to play regular green Rohan. Yeah, yeah, this is true. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I really liked your list. And look, yeah, you're right. You've got the strong heroes. So Boromir... Does borrow me things. Yeah, he just does. If Thadred gets to go, he he'll fucking go nuts. And yeah. look, Thaden's pretty consistent. He's all right He's, for a hundred points. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess let's get into the game now. This one, I think maybe me and Albert will explain this scenario properly. But we're playing throw the dice beacons. Beacons. That's the one. Good one. So beacons. So you've got three contestable areas, like. Yes like sort of hold ground style one in the middle and one in each of our zones yes and then quite close to the middle there's two beacons correct now the interesting part we'll have explained it but I'm going to explain it again uh, the interesting part is that the heroes have to tag these so it's just like capture and control heroes only yeah exactly and and the, the fact of the matter is you need to have enough models to contest those strategic grounds I think is what he calls them yeah yep um, because now it's based upon wounds of the models in them to score yeah. more than your opponent. So like Which, a troll scores three as opposed yes. to a rider who gets two, one for him and his mount. One for him and his little horse bud. I, I don't mind that as a change generally. It does mean, well, at times you'll have to do a bit more addition when working out points and stuff, but you know what? I think it's it's cool. Like helps, yeah, trolls do a bit better in, in scenarios like this. Yeah, it balances it out a bit. And sure, it also helps my Dragon Emperor have seven models in an objective zone. Don't worry about it. Well, would it be more than that? Because he, he has three wounds himself, and then oh, he has true. one for each dragon, true. dragon nine. boy. Yeah, so not nine. bad. So. Um, I guess, what were you thinking going into this one? Uh, there's a little elephant in the room for our game, but we, we'll touch on that after your thoughts on the pregame. Um, so I, I obviously knew the list and we talked earlier and we knew that we had about the same points from the first game. So it's like yep. going into it, high likelihood we were playing against each other. Mm. Um, yep, yep. And if there was one list I probably didn't want to face, it's yours just for the fact that, you know, I, I think the hysteria around the Legion ah, yeah, um, yeah. about it being overpowered because we've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it's... 
it was, it was fine because you know I got to experience something new and yep. um, I played with you so that made it easier <laughs> good because you know I, I know that you know what you're doing yeah or maybe you know that I know that you know. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right in what you're saying, though, because my list is not bad against yours. No. You've got a lot of... Because you've got that soft front chaff, but if you don't get to rock fight five over your opponent, yep. they can go down, and then once they go down, you know, you're not throwing the attacks out. Yeah, and that's it. We both had throwing weapons. Um, obviously, spears outrange daggers, mm, yep. but... You know, that helps if you win priority. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's an objective game instead of yep. a standoff game, so you had to come forward anyway. Yeah, and, and you've always got a drum, you've always got a march in your list. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. In we, this scenario, it was huge. Yeah, centre of the board, 10-1. I guess the other thing that we're going to point out is this board was not conducive to Lord of the Rings, I would say. Sorry, Rich, but it just sucked. Yeah, sorry, it, it was It was... It was rough. Um, there were four large... Landmarks and by large, like huge, they were at least 12 inches, yeah, 12 wide by, yeah, they were nuts, and you couldn't play around them. Like, you could go in them, which is yep. cool, but yep. we're moving too many guys to really contest them, yeah. Um, and it made it hard because, like, your objective was essentially oh. behind a huge wall, it was quite literally, I was never going to get it. It was a fortress, you mine was open, in. so I could deploy and like run out, which yep. is fine, yeah. Um yeah, the hard part was there was a lot of texture on it, yep. but no scatter. No. Like, we had the four massive buildings and then just a bunch of rocky terrain, but it was too difficult to bother counting it as actual difficult terrain because the whole board, is the whole board was covered. Outside um, of the roads, which would... Mind you, they're the flattest thing, and even then the dice were yeah. not sitting flat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, sorry, Dickie, we will stop railing on that. It... it yeah, next time, hit us up. There's so many members of the community that are going to be happy to bring boards. All right, salt aside, here we go. Um, how did the game breakdown go? I got to sprint to the middle. Yes. What were your thoughts going so, in? So I knew that you were going to have the majority of the board turn one, turn yep. two. It's yep. you know it's undeniable. I don't really want to spend Thaden's might to march. I probably should have, but in hindsight, Tense, yeah. my whole army wasn't there. I went on the route of... I don't want to deploy on this terrible terrain because it's going to spend... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Dickie, but it's just the you know the time it would have taken me to set up. Yep. It's not fair on you. So oh, I deployed okay. on the, the flattest terrain I could find, which unfortunately was off to was, the side. Yeah, yep. And there was just, you know, the building wall was there the whole length, essentially. So I had to spend two turns getting around it. Yeah. And by then, lines had clashed, throwing weapons. My, my throwing weapons actually did pretty yeah, good at the huge. start. Yeah, yours were huge. I reckon, like, four out of... Maybe four or five in the early turns. Yeah, I, I killed four guys. Yeah. Um, and you had one. Yeah, in I got first maybe round of one shooting. or two. My first round of charging, I reckon I got two more. But yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. The throwing weapons were like even, basically. But yeah, I, I had the additional strong. range, so I had an extra turn of shooting plus the ranges. Mm. Not that they paid off, but um, yeah, and then it just kind of evolved from me having to fight in the middle yes. and hoping that. The other boys can get over. You kept outside of 10. Of yeah, course. that was the trick. You, you had Boromir way up to the side. With which isn't horrible because it lets you... Let's Boromir have open run. Because I'm running straight to the middle. There's no stopping that. I can choose who I'm fighting. You can choose who you're fighting. I can stay out of your 10 inches. And I think you got to the fight maybe two turns after we'd already started. Yeah. Um, it is what it is, yeah. you know. I I had a front line of Rohirrim that were... I was hoping we're going to just survive long enough... Even even if it is just to absorb some shots, yeah, maybe because yeah. you're we're wounding each other on fives with yeah. throwing weapons. Yeah, 
but you just got lucky enough that you killed a couple, oh. opened up some big holes. You know, you got the the Dragon Knight in with Rutabi and yeah. you were able to combat yep. around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was even one of those was a throwing dagger opened that option. Yes. So uh, the Dragon Knight was based out of this whole section. I do my first charge of the turn, get the dagger, and then the Dragon Knight's like, wait a minute. All right. I can go Let's in. do it. The other hard part for you here, even pre-banner, I was rolling a shit ton of sixes with my with my ninjas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my banner, I had two banners in the list, so yep. I've obviously got Boromir's, and then I have a regular rider running around with a banner. Yeah. Because Boromir can't be everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and even then, like, just the fact that you fight five. Yeah. And, and mind you, you put the Dragon Emperor in a great spot. Yes, he was no, a non-combatant, basically. Yeah. But his you know, he's here for his, the aura. His buffs were fantastic. Yeah. Um, and you played that really well. The fact that you just had him behind that piece of terrain, there's in the ways, yep. on top of in the ways for shooting. Yeah. You're defending the barrier somehow on a Helen <laughs> yeah. Keen. And... <laughs> yeah, true. I'm literally like <laughs> 10 meters above it, just looking down. Um, the other key moments, and this was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, we both called some heroic combats. Yes. Rutabi had a straight shot at Thaden if I got there. Uh, and I guess Thaden was doing a cheeky heroic combat run away. No, I was actually going to go in. Were you? I wanted to, no way. I wanted to peel the Dragon Knight off. Yeah. Because I thought that he might go for Thaedrid. I don't want to waste Thaedrid's strike. Yep. Um, just to avoid you going wow, to... Wow, all right. So I wanted to go in. I misread in. your mind. Fuck. And if I tag the Dragon Knight, Rutabi does her combat. Yeah. And the Dragon Knight is now basing her from getting further in my lines. Yeah, okay. Yes, I might lose Thaedrid's horse, but I'm willing to lose... A wound or two on him yeah, yeah, yeah. to stop you Keep. punching further in yep. my line. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, okay, that actually does make a lot of sense. So th that's why I explained to you when I was doing it. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. I think it's a really dumb idea, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> well, you didn't even get the opportunity. No. Ha what was your? What did you have in that combat? Uh, I had Thaden, my Rider of Rohan on banner, who did not charge. I charged you, yeah. Yep. And then I had a Gondorian yep. and a spear support. Yeah. So what? Thaden that charged in five dice. With a banner, and then so one six, one six banner dice, dice so banner dice, which is and two might to go. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> I got a three high on Thaden. Yeah. And he was the highest out of everyone. He was the highest out of everyone. <laughs> and then you just the ninja natty the six <laughs> won the combat. Yes. Salt in the wound. Yep. What did the ninja do? So, unfortunately, if you play the rules properly, you have to back away in a straight line, mm. which means mm. my banner was only in contact with. A warrior of Rohan. Yep. They could back away together, importantly. Yes. But uh, when you kill both of the models in yep. a specific order, I'm going to kill this one and then this one, yep. uh, you lose two models and your banner. So Ninja defeats six strikes, wins the combat, and rolls two wounds. Yep. Fucking unreal. I know. Um, the interesting part that happened, though, Thaden had to back away out of Rutabi six inches. Yes, thankfully. So I couldn't actually get the sort of jump that I wanted. I mean... Look, I probably Rutabi probably just killed a random, and that's fine. Yeah, she. No, you did. Did you send her? Uh, no, you did send her in. Not to Thaden. Um. Nah, just some random. I got her closer. Oh, you might have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. would have got him the turn yeah, after. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was a pretty cr crucial moment that uh, maybe like sealed the game. Yeah, it was rough because obviously Boromir is still a turn away, two turns because you had enough roadblocks in the yeah. way. So banners down. I only have two guys with Fight 5 currently in that area, one being Denethor and the other Thaden. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you just kind of kept pushing. Yeah, we kept pushing. I guess we got you to the break and I had 
numbers around your objective because the bulk of your army well like not the bulk half of it was on the one wing holding yeah and then the other half was re the reinforcements yeah so i was able to just punch the middle and get numbers on all the objectives in all the right spots yeah and and i i I forgot about the fact that your ninjas are ninjas, and oh, the only this piece, was so good. The Sorry, only yeah, piece yeah. of terrain that is protecting me from the horde of Easterlings yeah. is also kind of your biggest strength against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. This was this was like the first turn of genuine combat. I had lined myself up on along the boxes yes. the turn prior to be like I am um, defending this obstacle, yes. and so you just sort of moved everyone around that. You're like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch Hold that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I think five ninjas successful jump charge. Well, they yeah they got the four on fours. They were able to then throw throwing daggers. You killed like at least two of my fountain court guard in the first turn of yeah. throwing. It was yeah. oh was mate, rough. that was my favorite moment. Like ninjas actually getting to do ninja things. Yeah, brilliant. I'm very excited about that. Thank you for reminding me, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess the last thing we'll touch on is Bozza when he actually got in. How did he go? Um. It was it was really just a, a big question of where do I send him? Yes, because I had to stop you getting your your blood and glory. There were combats from both of us. Yeah, thankfully yours went first, and you had to move Rutabi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I it didn't was an really... interesting choice because yeah, my Dragonite had charged Aiden, I think. Yes, Rutabi bailed. So well, she got peeled off. She got peeled off heroic combat and bailed yep. away from Bozza. Yeah. And then the Dragon Knight was sorry, Dragon Emperor was chilling in the middle. Yes. And it's like, what do you do? Who do I go for? Do I try and get the leader wound? Do I stop you getting blood and glory? Do I take out Rutabi because the Master of Battle is the only thing that is stopping me from keeping Boz in the middle? Yep. Yep. Um, and I eventually just thought off we'll send into the oh. uh, the Dragon Knight. In the Dragon Knight. And that was definitely the correct call. Yes. Importantly, I had struck. Yes. Because I was fighting Thaden and hoping to get the kill. Um, but I think it was a correct call because if you kill the Dragon Knight, which you're likely to do, statistically speaking, statistically yes, speaking, because you still have fucking five mites. This game is a, uh, <laughs> a a lot of roller coasters and round yeah. earths. Um, so I guess we'll also point this one because this was pretty interesting. Uh, my struck failed. I only got a two. Yes, you got uh, so to I seven. rolled the two, so I got to seven. Uh, we rolled off. I think we both got sixes. Yes, we both got sixes. You win the roll off. I win the roll off. Bozza, how many attacks? We needing three. Needing fives. Five. With five might, importantly. Yes. What did you roll? A one, two, and a three. Ooh. So you could literally kill him if you wanted. Yeah. All five might? Yeah. Well, that's... I, I probably could have, and maybe probably... Oh, no, you sh shouldn't have. No way. Well, this is the thing. I, I play maybe not the most intelligently when it comes down to rash rash rash, rash decisions. <laughs> um, yeah. Just because it's fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, Got to have a bit of a chuckle. It's like, I just spent all my might to kill one guy. It's yeah. great. Oh, look, it would have been funny. Not the right call. <laughs> Probably not, but he didn't really do anything after that. No. Oh, mate, there were a lot of key moments. This is a long interview, but no. this was cool. And I want to point it out. All right, you win the next move off because yes. Bozza had might. He did. Because if you burnt it all to kill that Dragon Knight, I would have got the move off and yeah. trapped you everywhere That's and it. done all the things. You win the move off. Bozza and Denethor both charge Rutabi. Yep. And you manage to just base block everything and tag everyone, and it's all looking good for you, right? Perfect. That's a dead mind. Rutabi. You can. I was out of might. You can probably combat. Yeah. Really. Um, but I had a cheeky little brawl gear on the other side of those barrels. Yes. And I knew that. And the only hope I had was a lone woe woe him. Oh, true. Hiram true. Warrior with a throwing spear, and he fluffed it. Kill the guy in front. Keep going. Tag, tag yeah. brawl gear. So brawl gear was safe as houses. Luckily, I throw all four of the wheel that I was chilling with. 
I think I rolled the five. Yep. I burnt a mic because I still had like four on the boards. So yeah. I'm like, I'll turn it into a six. And I targeted only, specifically, Denethor. only Denethor in the combat. Yep. Because um, Tremor just hits everyone. Yeah. Denethor, uh, Denethor has enough might, uh, will, yeah. will yep. to, to potentially get it off. Uh, but not when you roll a four high. Yeah, three dice, get the four, which is, you know, it's hard to get the six, but it wasn't impossible. So... I uh, got to save Rutabi's bacon. You did? Knocked, yeah. knocked him all over. Got rid of Boz's horse. Yeah, put a wound on both of them. True, wounded Denethor, which um, was a point. So Killed your own uh, I did, boy in the back. I did kill my own ninja, yes. Um, but after that, yeah, it was you know it was just kind of clean up. I, I had some Hail Marys, like combating with Thayer yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. at least tag one of the beacons. Yes. Admittedly, I knew that he was in range of the of dragon, dragon Emperor, and I tagged him with a Fountain Court Guard just yeah. to... Also contest the middle objective. Yeah. Um, so that if you wanted to do stuff, you had to either kill him yeah. or whatever. But and this was really Brogy's turn. Yeah. He oh, calls he that tremor, champ. charges into the fountain court, calls the heroic combat with the dragon emperor's help. Slingshots him Slingshots up the board. board. Brogy just going nuts in the yeah. last turn. I mean, in fairness, he did nothing the whole game, but... <laughs> well, well, just the fact that he has that tremor in his back pocket. This is true. Like, I don't want to send Theodred or Boromir in. This is true. And it's the opponent who makes the game worthwhile. Wow. Well, wow. Well. Thank you for saying so, Damo. I would say the same about you. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I knew I was walking into that. All right. Uh, nice one, Damo. Thanks for the game. And we'll bloody see you next tournament, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't doubt it. All right. Cheers. Okay, so we're back after round two. And good friend of the podcast, Damo. He's uh, back. He's back. Um, look. It's like he never left. Yeah, we, we can't shake the dude. Um... <laughs> No, nah, no, nah, he's great. He, he's honestly, he's, he's hilarious. He's so it's, it's good to have him on every single two yeah, hours yeah, tournament yeah. episode, yeah. you know? We wouldn't have it any other way. And so this game, uh, what was the scenario you guys were playing? Can you remember? This was the Beacons one. Ah, oh, this, okay. Which yeah, was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and I was really surprised Dickie didn't end on this one. Yeah. And I think I mentioned to that him on the day. I'm like, yeah. this is your signature. Yeah. Let, be the let have that be the crescendo. Let yeah. that be the top table's ultimate vying for top spot yeah over your your personal scenario yeah but that's fine we we got that across the dickie and i think he's taken that on board so very good yeah it's all but a, it's such a good scenario so it and, is a great and that's scenario. why i was so i don't know expressive about that yeah. on the day you know so i, I think we should I, i'll obviously have a chat to dickie before yeah. doing get this. me okay but i think we will try and put up a scenario pack on the instagram mm. so people can have a little preview if yep. people are interested, um, they can get in touch and I can connect them with Dickie. I've actually done like a proper mock-up of like a, a, like almost as if it would come from yeah. the rule book. And that's what I think you showed on the day. Yeah. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time with Dickie going back and forth on the specific wording on yep. certain things and then putting it into the MESBG format so it looks like it's straight out of the rules pack kind yep. of thing. Um, so I'll, I'll, I might put that up on the Instagram and, and people can have, have a little squeeze yeah. because it, it's kind of, it's a, it's a very, it's not super tricky and we have described it in the past. Yeah. Don't want to go yeah. over it again. Yeah. And I say it in the interview. So we're, cause you know, we're gold. It, we're exactly, covered. exactly. But the, just seeing the map yeah. probably explains it all and much quicker. Our minds have been built like that yeah. to read the scenarios yeah. like that. We're like, yeah. aha. Yeah. Um, yeah. my and this is this is purely me. My thinking on this scenario is that it should be leader only to tag. I agree. Yeah, 
any hero doing it takes away from that. I agree. Because it's so easy to have a 40-point throwaway captain sit. Yep. If it's the leader who has to go and tag, you're costing something. Like, my emperor in this scenario would never be able to get to the other side. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, So, that's my thoughts. Uh, Dickie's written it as any hero, which is, I mean, he's the... This is his brainchild. He's the rules writer. He so gets the pick. Yep. Uh, we'll, con- we'll constantly nag him and say... Until he changes. Yeah. But I think it's right. And, and from the other side, I'm thinking like a um, uh, Galadriel. Mm. Lady, um, yeah. Not Galadriel, Lady of Light, just standard Galadriel. If Lady of Light um, is still a beater. <laughs> like Galadriel, you hate to see her in Contest of Champions because she's basically out of the running mm. yep. from, from this... From the get-go. Let's give them a taste of their own medicine. In Beacons... Suck it, Aragorn. Right? Beacons, she actually has a really tangible role to play. And it actually plays to her strength of being in the back line. So, I quite like... I like that idea of changing it to the leader. Anyway, (laughs) we digress. Um, It is a fantastic scenario and you can tell it's a great scenario because it kind of raises this level of discussion. Which is always a good sign. Onto the game itself, though, the thing that I want to talk about is not necessarily the game because we heard about yeah. that in the interview. And we're over Damo at this stage. We're over Damo. <laughs> Damo, you've had your time. That's a um, joke, mate. The- we love you. Yeah. We love you. Um, but the terrain, because this yeah. came up in the interview, and I think it's actually a really important mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, and this was the game where you came and had a peruse as well. I did. Yeah. And you, so you got to see it firsthand. Yeah. You know exactly what we're talking yeah. about here. So. Yeah. From what I could tell, this was probably like a 40k yes. board or something like that. Because, yeah, you, you've heard us say it, there's four huge block structures. Yeah. Minimum, like, 8 by 8 I reckon one or two of them were 12 by 12 Yeah. And they were blocked out. Yeah. There was one building where you could fit through the doors, but you can't take the roof off. No, so, so you there's, can't actually manoeuvre the models. We can't do actual minute manoeuvres. Which is really important. Which is what the in, game's all about. In the SPG. Um, like my model being one inch to the left or right matters. My model, you know, running around your model and trapping you matters. Whereas we just can't display that. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, on the other end of the spectrum, there was the entire ground, apart from this like three inch wide path, was like craggy yeah. and gross, but it was everywhere. So it wasn't like... Look, I don't know if the intention was for the whole board to be Mount Rocky Terrain. I think it was almost like a city fight kind of style board, right? So it was like a whole building had come down. But the problem with that, again, in MESBG, base-to-base contact is Mm -hmm. a fundamental core mechanic. Mm -hmm. And if you can't represent that accurately in a tournament setting, that's Mm. the important thing. Like, if it's just a couple of mates throwing dice, then, you know... Deal with the ambiguity. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here you want clear, concise. This model is in base contact, therefore it's being mm-hmm. charged. And, you know, and even just models moving over that terrain. It's difficult terrain, I would say, obviously. Well, that the trick was we didn't play it as difficult terrain. Impossible, right? You guys, did it you was, guys... It was just... No, no, because it was everywhere. Right. It was either we have yeah. this three inch wide, Gosh. not difficult, and everything else is. Yeah. Or we just accept that, hey, this craggy rocky shitty cityscape <laughs> is open so that we can actually play otherwise we're basically just going three inch movement every turn yeah, and you time out the game and he's freaking cavalry oh, two and a half inches yeah, enjoy yeah, that no, uh boromir with no yeah <laughs> so i guess the point here is that um terrain in lord of the rings is fundamental not only to the 
kind of the play experience. So often I talk about it and think about it in terms of um, that sense of immersion. Yeah. So we're trying to not necessarily recreate scenes from the movies or the books, but it certainly goes a long way to helping that immersion if the the backdrop to that is in a Middle Earth themed board. Yeah. And and that you're right, from an immersive perspective, we were taken out from the start. Sure. Because we've got like this freaking huge space marine statue in the middle. <laughs> Which, it's fine. We can deal with it. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah. From 100%. the get-go, we 100%. were like, oh, okay, cool. And and so beyond just the, um, the immersion point, um, there's also the mechanics of the yeah. rules that we, we've t- we've touched on here. And I think that the difficulty is that, you know, obviously Dickie was running a tournament for three different systems. Warmer 40K was on the other day to us. Mm-hmm. So some of the terrain had yeah. recycled back in. And, and, and I'm not- sure he went out of his way to find like something that looked, because it could have been like a big Osgiliath board. Sure. Where one or two bits taken off. Sure. Yeah. A bit too big of an Iskidly yeah. board, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, and I suppose it's like this is a tournament setting, but I think this is actually quite a common experience for people going into, for example, like a game store, right? And they've, they've got just what the terrain is on the table. Yeah. And if it's Star Wars Legion or, you know, Warmer 40K or even AOS, you know, yeah. too many skulls going, yeah. going around, you know? And, and that, um, the, the role that the terrain plays in our game, it's almost like the third player. Well, yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned this off mic, was that the there's the terrain is too integral because it yeah. is a third player. Yeah. Like, you need to be able to manoeuvre around things. You need to be able to blockade yourself between things. Mm. You need to be able to, like, stand around a corner of a thing. Like, there's just so much that we can do with terrain because it's, it's such a simple rule set. Mm. but it's so important to be able to do something with it mm. whereas of course this battlefield i mean look my ninjas pulled off some serious jumping there was one this is the funny part there was one bit of terrain one series of boxes in the middle of the board right near the center and i anchored on that because mm. that's what we do mm. Mm. ninjas specifically but also like game wise mm. yeah, yeah yeah um so you're right it's that third player and it was basically missing from this this game yeah and 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 that's the thing i think we're we're very fortunate in where we tend to play that the terrain is of a really high standard Mm. and the because it's of a really high standard there's kind of that level of expectation and there's also a pretty robust dialogue between players going into every game before it starts to clarify terrain which i think is kind of a Mm -hmm. good healthy habit to have and it sounds like you had that with Demo here. Exactly. Because you had to. We had to. Because there was no other way of actually getting a decent game on the board that there was. Now, look, this is not to kind of throw shade at, at yeah. anyone in particular. But I think it's a really important thing to discuss. Because, you know, if you're trying to run a, a tournament for the first time, like getting a lot of terrain together is a really hard yeah. ask. It's a huge logistic um, nightmare, basically. Yeah, and so uh, I guess our advice would be to reach out to the broader community, try and beg, borrow, don't steal, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, try and get as much terrain from the community 
um, I know that we're we're very fortunate that we've got a lot of terrain makers locally. So there's, there's well, I think it's just you, but you make a lot, no, so it makes up for it. There's plenty of others. There's plenty of others. Like all of the Melbourne crew, like you know Kylie, David yeah. Leonard. Um, oh, sorry, uh, I thought Jeremy. you were in Geelong. In yes, Geelong, you're right. In Geelong, um, yes. <laughs> you, you do all the heavy uh, lifting. I <laughs> I have a small Princeton, <laughs> but no, like in the broader Victorian kind of community there's there's a whole heap yes. of terrain makers so there's there's a lot of variety and diversity and um and that that makes for a really enjoyment uh, enjoyable tournament experience yes exactly yeah for sure and this is it's so interesting because it's not something that i've had to had to think about you know sure. up until this game with demo yeah we've been blessed that all the games i've ever played in a tournament have been like terrain's been good yeah there's yeah. never been a game where i'm like up until this one where I'm like what do I do with this terrain there's nothing so I I suppose so I would like to pose a question to the international listeners because I know that having Mm. seen images from uh, some tournaments overseas when you start to get into those really big well yeah because they deal in the hundreds right like that's a really hard nigh on impossible task to get balanced and detailed terrain on all the on, on all the boards right balanced between boards yeah because one of the things i don't think lord of the rings needs is like balanced you know boards between different tables i think we're okay having like one board with eight forests and then one board with two buildings and two fences you know what i mean totally agree yeah i totally agree i get what you're saying what what i'm trying to say is uh, when i say balanced boards like you have you don't just have one table at the back that has one ruin and yep. one tree. Yep. <laughs> you know, like you want to have evenly distributed amount of terrain um, without it. You know, exactly like you say, we don't want. I don't think that the game benefits from mirror match terrain. Mm. Mm. I think that actually the skill of the game is being able to leverage asymmetric, like asymmetrical yep. layouts, yep. and figure out how to leverage that in that situation. I mean, this is a, a minor side part, but. The first role of a game is to decide board edge. Yes. Why does that matter if it's as- if it's symmetrical? Very, very good point. So anyway, I, I agree basically is what I'm getting but, at. So my que- I guess my question to the international listeners are, do you um, prescribe to the uh, rule book, which I think kind of dictates at least 40% of the table covered in mm. terrain? I think, yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, do you prescribe to that locally, wherever you play? Yeah. I'd and love to love to hear your thoughts. And at the big tournaments, are they able to hit that? Yeah. Because, look, again, logistically, it might be impossible. Yeah. There's fucking 100 players there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can Just picture cannot. that being too much. The, the removalist trucks that would yeah. be required to move all of that terrain is logistically not feasible. But I think um, I think it's an interesting point. I think we've talked, talked about it at length. Yeah. Again, this isn't on you, Dickie. No, but uh, definitely it's not. one of those things that you know. Now we know it's so important, basically, because it's come up. Mm, mm. Uh, and I, again, I'll point out the one bit of terrain on the table. Ninjas used to great effect. Even the Dragon Emperor got behind it at one stage and was like, "I'm defending this barrier, boys. Let's go." <laughs> uh, it was great fun. So when you can get it, it's good. Let's get on to round three, though. Let's go. G'day guys, Jordy here at the end of round three for All Systems Go, and I'm here with my opponent, Ned. Hey everyone. Oof. All right, so top tabling, how are you feeling going into that? I was feeling pretty good. Um, I did know my opponents, like the potential options coming up, which is obviously you, Jordy, mm-hmm. uh, and then Tim and Matt, and they're both great players. So 
I'd had a bit of a scope, was pretty afraid of all of you. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a little lucky to get where I was, but definitely excited to play you. No, I think, look, we'll get into it. I think your list is quite strong. You've yeah. got Hi-Fi, you've got the biggest banner in the game, shared with me. Yeah, shared with you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've referenced it. What did you bring today? All four of the, the named Fiefdoms heroes with largely full warbands. So I've got uh, Imra Hill with a bunch of foot troops, uh, Angbor with some foot troops, Four long mounted and a couple of knights. Yeah, he was the only one with like a sub warband, right? Yeah, yeah. it was only like two. Yeah. Uh, I actually had an error making my list where <laughs> like I went into it thinking I was going to have four knights with him, but I changed it up at the last second, forgot to change uh, like the the wording. All right. So like I cut the points out. So yes. I, I only ended up with two, but like in my head I had four. Oh, and I was like no. thinking about how it worked. Yeah. yeah. So given another chance, I'd probably alter it a tiny bit yeah, but otherwise it's pretty some good. more mounts in there yeah, yeah that's fair it's just a tiny bit low when you fight high cav armies yeah uh, you need a couple more counter charges well, and they're like they're like a non-hero hitter yeah so for you sure can chuck them into just troops and you'll probably smash oh yeah absolutely which... if you can win the fights it's like fight five if you win to knock prone a single model if you get yeah. four dice strength three with lance yeah, it's pretty Lanson. good yeah absolutely yeah yeah and of course doing here with his boys as well yeah um i've got the f almost full especially from the size um got 12 ranges with him so i get yeah. a lot of shots when i use his special rule to heroic shoot yes and uh obviously going into it i was very scared of doing here because i'm rocking defense four and yeah <laughs> you've got some crazy good shooting rules but um as far as your like paint job and the hobby and all that you've gone for the sort of standard fiefdoms is there anything cool going on here uh there's a bit of uh, purple accenting in yeah, the cloaks, yeah, but yeah, other yeah. than that, it's pretty stock standard. Oh, I also did uh, gold armor as well oh, across yeah, like, my uh, men-at-arms. Oh, sick. So, like, the, I think I saw it, the gold, like, trimming Yeah, so it, it comes out as a, like, from a distance, it eventually should look uh, very gold and purple sort of royalty colours. Oh, mate, you um, know, my favourite yeah, my favorite yeah. colour combo. <laughs> I know, you've rocked up with the purple <laughs> a lot of times. I always admire them. Yeah. Nah, that's sick. Um, and I guess let's go into the game, because we are top table. It's pretty important. Yeah, for sure. What are we playing today? Oh, just playing to the death, yeah? To the death for yeah. the final one. Uh, yeah, was it. I mean, I think we, we mentioned it in before, that we played Fog of War at the start of the day. Yeah, best, would have rathered yeah. play Fog of War for the finale. Yeah. Uh, given, you know, you hope the quality player at the very end is sort of guaranteed in the final yeah. round. but. It was definitely an interesting matchup. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because, um, of course, to the death is literally the simplest. You've just got to kill each other. Yeah. And there's no incentives for locations. You can yep. just figure that out. Well, not figure it out. You're forced to do Yeah. Yeah. I so think we, we sort of established on turn one that I could shoot and you couldn't. And <laughs> I just went to you. I was like, okay, Jordy, you're coming to me. And yep. you, you had no other option. Yeah. Well, I guess what were you thinking? Of course, you've got the gun line and I don't. What were you thinking from turn sort of one onwards or even pre-deployment what were you thinking going into this well i mean pre-deployment i was hoping to put down dun here last and yep. get a good solid two turns with my special rule to heroic shoot mm. just into your infantry because yep. in my head yeah you had me out heroed uh quite mm. easily mm. i think you had maybe two more heroes than i did uh yep, just one the one two. but i think my quality is higher yeah overall. your quality was higher yep. too and i thought i have a very large sort of horde fiefdoms and i thought yep. if i can get maybe six uh, of your acolytes on the way in, yeah. I might have a chance just from almost doubling you from yeah, the first turn of nuts. combat onwards. And yep. I think if that had happened, I could have got you. Yeah. It almost did. It, yeah. you, like, almost. Almost, um, almost. <laughs> of course, each link's pretty maneuverable. How did my... Like, I guess I'll say I just drummed, did some yeah. moving. 
you lined up your shots, took the shots, you did get a few acolytes turn one? Yeah, the first turn of shooting went really well. Like you, you sort of moved out, you drummed out of the way, but you had to leave like five or six behind yeah. and I killed four of them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, I got yeah. this, it's happening. You burned the point of might importantly to get the, the re-rolls, but yeah, of course. you did get the kills and I, I'd say worth it because I reckon yeah. it went from zero kills to like all four. Like I think yeah. you got them on the Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the turn after that, I drummed again. Yeah. And I think I had to go first. So I, you saw where I was going. I was just going hard to the right of the board. Yeah. Opposite your archers who were yeah, yeah. chilling on like the, my left. You ended anyway. up like 36, 40 inches away from my archers. And I was yep. like, yeah, okay. It's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess importantly for this whole game, Easterlings need their speed. Yeah. That drum sure. is the single most important model in the whole game. Yeah. And I... I think March as well is very fucking important and we will <laughs> yeah, get sure. to we'll, that. We'll get to that, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've hard fainted on the right flank. What yeah. were you th- well, my right flank. What were you thinking then? Well, I just thought, look, this man's so fast. Um, I had, I ended up with this, I mean, a, a line of infantry and I just thought, oh, he's just going to hit me at one end and just wipe me up the board. Yeah, yeah. So I moved away from that, yes. trying to like maintain this distance um, and it, it worked for like one turn and then... Yeah. <laughs> Sort no, of uh, definitely got surprised by the, the sheer speed when he yeah, yeah. marched yeah. and the drum. <laughs> I think it was very good what you did. You reformed, you pivoted your center block, which was Imre Hill's like 18 yeah. dudes, and you moved your, well, from what I could see, right flank yes, into yeah. the middle instead of like trying to just meet me where I was heading. Yeah, yeah. I definitely tried to almost do like a 45 degree pivot of my entire line. Yeah. Um, it actually, it worked. I just expected you to take one turn longer to get to me <laughs> after it, I did yep. it and it didn't happen that yep. way and the next turn you've got this you moved your archers up a bit because they didn't have shots yep. you moved your flank up but away a little bit yeah yeah importantly and this was very key for my plan you won priority yeah yeah I called the drum and the march yeah what were you thinking <laughs> when I, I was like oh okay yeah infantry 9 12 uh, 12 inches is a lot and then just it just they just seemed to appear out of nowhere and I, I had these archers that were in the process of sort of yes. at, like yeah. moving away towards the back the side of the board still at an angle yep. and he just you just caught me um, yep. so you ended up catching Dunhir's archers and Forlong and his micro warband out yeah. by themselves without without all the infantry catching Forlong was huge yeah so yeah. my captain did his his blitz and yeah. he was you know I don't know, within easy four or five inches of your arches. Yeah, yeah. Out of nowhere. Rutabi, I had deployed as a solo drop on my far left, which ended up really paying off here. Yeah. So she could sprint within like four inches of four long and was ready to pounce the turn after. Yeah, I was not ready for and that. And of course, <laughs> my cavalry, the only hard part is I need to stay within six of the captain. Yeah. But my cavalry moved 20 inches now. Yeah, yeah. So my dragon knight teleported in front of four long. Oh, absolutely. And Geordie did this really cool thing where... I thought he was sort of spreading out as he ran because of his different speeds, but because he ended up doing a full 180 degree turn on me, yeah, all yeah. his cab was really far away and his infantry was closer, and then suddenly they're all the exact same distance away from me and really close, and it just it blew my brain. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was wicked. Like it wasn't an optimal thing. It wasn't an optimal run in the sense that my models were a little scuffed. My infantry yeah. were a little out of it. But I think I got about five or six ninjas in range, which was all I needed to tag you. Yeah, absolutely. The, the turn after, of course. Yeah, and then you just... you The couple of heroes that were out there got tagged off, oh, yeah, and then yeah. they stayed tagged. And then when Imbri Hill eventually... Well, I mean, I say eventually, it was like one turn later, attempted to help. <laughs> he got stuck 
pretty quickly oh. as well. <laughs> yeah, this was brutal. Uh, the the key thing is, um, Rutabi mastered a battle like three times this game. Oh, absolutely. I think three or four. Yeah. The key thing with the next turn that could have decided the game. Yeah, definitely. I won the move off, and um, I had priority, so Rutabi just straight charged Forlong, who had yeah. called it. Rutabi, importantly, master battled. Yeah. Um, yep. So I got free run, which let me get that first engage. Yeah. Post my march, and I was able to like get my numbers back up there. Yeah. And obviously, the most key was I got uh, the Dragonite and Rutabi trapping one Forlong the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you could say it went to a 50-50, but it's like, it's not that you needed it. I needed the 50-50 to save me from my bad play. So yes, no, that's, that's, that's what I would say. Like, that's, a, <laughs> that's a pretty key point to make. It was like a 50-50 that I would put a lot of pressure on you. Absolutely. Or yeah. a 50-50 that you would just move up closer to me. Yeah, it was yeah. like on a 50% like chance, I correct partially corrected my mistake. On a 50% chance, Geordie got insane <laughs> momentum and set himself up to just roll through me the rest of the way. <laughs> kind of. um, and yeah, this is the turn where something pretty cool happened. Very unlikely, all things considered. Yeah, it was absolutely. Imrahil did get onto a knight. Yeah. And there was some room for him to maybe call a little bit of heroic action. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was lined up. Had a good couple of infantry to back up some other models in the first round of fighting too. But I had, I think, only three ninjas yeah. throw their kunai in. Yeah, two two in the ways into the combat. Yeah, and there was an extra in the way. Yourself. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so get through the first in the way. Okay. Hit myself in the combat. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I kill myself. <laughs> You're like, oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, we yeah. got there. So Imrahil, instead of maybe getting to reposition or maybe getting himself onto a good hero yeah. charge or... Well, I mean, this was before Forlong was dead and I, I had a line to peel off your Dragon Knight. And yeah, I was thinking like, that. If yeah. Forlong lives a turn, who knows what happens from there? Because he died with full might. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I lost three might when he died, so... <laughs> and look, he's also a good hero, right? Five, Absolutely. five, two attacks, three wounds. You, he was... I believe on the charge he was wounding your ninjas on threes. Oh, and mate. if I'd ever got any of those off, it would have been amazing. Yeah. But... Um, instead, we had a, fr a free spell from Brawl Gear. We got the free Blade Wrath. Yeah, absolutely. Trapped him, ate him up. Yep. And then I could then charge Dwin here, I believe. Was that yeah. his turn? Yeah. Oh, well, I actually, I attempted, when my Imrahil plan failed, oh, I actually called right. a combat with Dun here yep. and like maybe four other models. And then uh, rolled a five high. And my, I believe you what you charged a ninja. You had five models, like six dice. Five models into your drummer, who. Oh, he was into your, the drummer. Yeah, your drummer rolled a, a natural six, didn't even need his reroll, and you just were like, Ned, pack it up, man, get him out of here. Oh, <laughs> mate, I swear, my, my heroic combat luck is insane this tournament. Yeah, it was good. Um, so, yeah, that also left doing here flat footed as well. Oh, yeah. Dr um, because I'd lost and backed away from this uh, drummer instead of moving again. Yeah. Dunhir was fully exposed. I think he died that turn yeah, as well. Yeah, I yeah. think Rutabi... Rutabi on the heroic combat off of Forlong went and killed him. Yeah, <laughs> so she ran in. She was strength six, so I forced a wound and just yeah. chewed him up as well. Fuck, yeah. that was a big turn. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I guess while all that was happening, what were you trying to do to sort of counter that, but also like what were you trying to... What was, what was your focus at that point? Well, look, at that point, I knew... Playing two heroes down, it's it seems really scary, but I did have the hero I needed, which was Imrahil. Yes. Um, so losing Forlong obviously massively reduced my like kill total on the troops, but you were probably going to peel him with heroes anyway. And yep. Dunhir had done his purpose; he was out of might. Yeah, um, yeah. He's just a he's a, he's a ranger of two attacks. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't going to do anything. Um, so the focus at that point became attempting to extract Imrahil from this <laughs> iffy situation he was in, and then. 
try and grind enough acolytes to break mm. you mm. because I, I had this I mean at, at that point I didn't feel like I could take the emperor no. so yeah. I was like okay if I can kill enough acolytes before you hurt me and I break you I can maybe have the 10 12 extra models on you yes. model count wise yeah. to just kill every acolyte and 25% you with probably all six heroes alive if I hadn't cheekily <laughs> killed that captain with a ranger oh, that was actually pretty funny yeah 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 but other than that I was at that point I was playing for uh sort of troop kills yeah um and i i had um angbor curling around the back with a nice sort of 10 unit flanking force that sort of just didn't end up doing as much as i would have liked no i think i did get lucky there so you're right i and it was the right call yeah. try and just kill the chaff and you got me very close to breaking in the end yeah well i think it was three off maybe three off, three, yeah, off, yeah, yeah. three more and, and i would have been there all that is is like me rolling one less you know yeah. six in you know two or three dice uh, two or three combats because you had a lot of pressure yeah because yeah. i had very two weak points yeah which was sure. Angbor's little raiding force which was like eight dudes. I think I outnumbered you three to one yeah where Angbor was and that was like behind your line so yep. I, if I'd got that off I would have been pulling off traps the rest of the yeah. game yeah so I was just chucking like one flimsy line of ninjas yeah. there and then also like on the other side of the emperor on this other side of the tree it was yeah. giving me position to mess with um, Imra Hill yeah so I sure. was throwing a couple a really weak line there as well and yeah. you just I think he rinsed that side pretty well. There was this little bottleneck yeah. that I had, like, when I badly positioned at the start, had a couple of rangers that eventually died. But after that, I killed maybe two acolytes in this little bottleneck yeah. every turn. I was every just single racking turn. up yeah, acolyte yeah. kills. I was like, is this going to happen? Yeah. I might get it. Um, but <laughs> to be um, fair, it was happening until yes. uh, the inevitable big bad. All right. <laughs> I am going to point out the cool maneuver. Did you see this coming? Oh, I did not. I didn't right. know this was... <laughs> and <laughs> Sorry, I knew it was possible, but it just never popped into my brain yeah. that Geordie might attempt to pull all right, off. All right. So, I won the next move off, which was huge. Absolutely. Um, I was. I had to do a lot of finagling, but I was able to pull it off. I charged a single Dragonite into Imrahil. Yeah. All right. Yeah. has got Tremor. Yeah. But Imrahil's got Will. Yeah, still, still at full. I had still my points left will, too. It was like might. three Will, two, two Might. We're not going to risk that. Yeah, Look, no was this actually worth it to kill a horse? Maybe not. Who knows? Kind of did pay off in the end, actually. So yeah. I'm going to say yes. Brawgear runs in. Tremors move one inch away from my own unit. Yeah. And I tremor only targeting him. Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> knocks the combat down. Yeah. Whew. All right. Brawgear runs away and we charge with Rutabi or whatever. Yeah. Force out some might, I think, because you were prone and trapped and. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty sick. I was pretty <laughs> happy with that. And it's not one of those things that. I think comes naturally and it certainly didn't to me yeah. until I fucking on the fly got it yeah it was ama- if you guys would have been there it was amazing Jordy had this one turn it was like in the middle of the turn he's like oh my god it's gonna be so good and I was like what you, what's this what are you thinking of Jordy he's like nah 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 next turn next you'll turn. see next turn and then I didn't win the move off and he, he pulled it off and yep. I, I was just in admiration I, I didn't know what else to say I was like look this is this cost me the game but fuck it's impressive but hell yeah <laughs> yeah I was like um, and yeah I, I like my ninjas were holding like I think just the fact that I think we talked about this yeah. off mic the fact that I could get fight five in such a large area yeah and you just had this small pocket with Imrahil that were f- rocking the fight five yeah there was like the, the little channel that I was winning around mm. Imrahil there was this sort of three inch bubble around Imrahil as, as you get uh, where it was tying Yep. And then there was a three inches on either side of him where yep. I was just getting rolled. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, exactly. We, yeah, the, the Emperor just had that little extra reach. So, yeah. all right, the Emperor versus Imrahil. We, we, we maybe we know. Um, I guess all the while my Dragonite was just chewing a left flank. Yeah, like, yeah. Killing like two to three models a turn. He was doing sick. The next turn, look, I won another roll off. Yeah. <laughs> and losing the first one, you were still in it. 
losing the second one, it's getting real sketchy. Yeah, yeah. This one was the nail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, <laughs> I guess it was the second last nail in the coffin. It was closed. There was <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. a tiny crack, and then he chucked another <laughs> nail in straight afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, he gave me one last breath. Yeah. So this turn, I was able to do a lot of fan angling. Oh, absolutely. And it was only because of a ninja dagger killing a ranger yeah. that created some space. So I was able to get both Rutabi yep. and the Emperor on Prince Emery Hill. Yeah. At that point, I was looking at that line. I was like, even if I'd had priority, I could have done the rest of the fights before he died. I might yes. have got enough kills to break you and had a chance, but that, that, was key. that didn't happen. That was actually key. And I'm glad you sort of pointed it out to me. Yeah. Because normally we save the hero fights for last because yeah. it's cool. Yeah, I know. But Imri Hill actually has a fucking huge impact yeah, on the game. Yeah, I mean, 12-inch banner, you, if, if you can get rid of him, I, you, you halve my amount of dice generally yeah, around yeah. the board to win fights, and it yeah. just can't say no to that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so, of course, I strike with the Emperor, force the strike out of Imri Hill, yeah. Rutabi, and once again, very important, yeah, Master yeah. of Battled, Free strike. It, was very, it was very cheeky. I loved it though. He yeah. just, yeah, you it's, have the one hero <laughs> strike, and not, yeah, I'm just looking at him. I'm like, well, I either lose or I strike, and he gets a second one for yep. free. So, yep. <laughs> um, do what you have to. Key, we obviously we got the fight ten. You didn't. Yeah, no. I'm anyone who's played me more than like two or three times knows that I'll I'll I will intentionally not strike if I think Emery Hill will live <laughs> because I just know I'll lose the strike. Yep. I roll ones or twos. Oh. Uh, so frequently. I'm sure it's not actually, but, you know, in your yeah, own head. It feels that way. <laughs> in your own head, it's, oh, it's um, devastating. And, of course, you're still defense seven, though, and I'm rocking yeah. max strength six, uh, strength four, sorry. Yeah, it was... I yep. even failed a Blade Wrath here. I've one-diced it. I knew I should have twoed. Yeah, he, he he thought about it. He was like, I gotta, I'm got i going to capitulate. I should cast a spell. And then he goes, tries to get the cheeky one-dice. One doesn't, one doesn't come classic. off. But who knew? Who needs it? Emperor straight rolls three sixes. Yeah. Straight up. No mucking about. He looked at Imre Hill and said, I'm the better banner and the better fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, no, you're, you're out of here, man. I'm, I'm the new hotness, mate. Get out of here. Yeah, he you're old like, school. Yeah, yeah. You're done. You're washed. <laughs> um, and Rutabi rolled another wound. Yeah. Rolled a three. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> Rutabi at this point has caught about four heroic actions. I think, yeah, you'd, you'd regained two points from killing Dunhir and Forlong throughout no, no, the game. She doesn't you? blood and glow. Oh, no, no, no sorry. No. My bad. She just literally never had to. Yeah, you just never used yeah. them. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we're going to keep that in because that's a fresh reaction. I just mastered a battle four yeah. times. Yeah, okay. I was full might, so yeah. I still had my three, and I rolled a three, and I was like, look. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> this converts to five wounds. Yeah. Three wounds, three fate is passable, you know. Yeah, that's that's me getting lucky at that point, though, yep. right? Like, yeah. So I was like, fuck, let's commit this three might. Yeah, Chucked did it, it in. And it was the difference because you yeah. passed two of them. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I passed two. Looking at that third one on a three, just <sighs> being like, if I hadn't even struck, I could have mitered it. True. There was this the, the little bit of me that doesn't like striking was just sitting there being like, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and look, as soon as Imri Hill went down, the I didn't, fight's just... I I didn't win a fight until the la second last combat of the pre of like the next turn after yeah, that. Yeah, I so think we so. Did, we did maybe 20, 25 fights before I won one. After yeah, that. yeah. It was brutal. Like you lose the banner, you lost your fight value. Yeah, my ninjas just threw too many dice and just got too many. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's not like that they had to do well. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like when it was Pike Wall, my Pike Wall Wall versus the Acolytes or the ninjas. Sorry. Uh, it was even. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, especially when I, if I could get the fight in there, I even had an advantage. And then sometimes I got an Axeman in, could to go two-hand. I seemed to kill every time I won those yeah, fights. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the second the banner went down, and we, suddenly I found myself 
doing one-on-ones because I'd, I'd just lost enough heroes and the dragon yeah. I'd eaten enough. And I was like, oh, when we're one on one I'm just I'm getting <laughs> rolled so bad. <laughs> no good. <laughs> Had no chance. Um, like, I didn't think I was getting that many win- uh, wounds after my wins, but like, no. it didn't matter. Yeah, it was like... As long as I stayed alive. You probably wounded less than you should have, but you won every fight. Yeah. So, like, you still got enough. Like, yeah. you ended the t- I ended the turn, looked at my dead pile and was like, this is about right. Yeah. But it just came out as yeah. lots of wins, not many wounds. And the last key thing I'm going to point out I had like one single dragon ac- called Acolyte on um, Angbor the Fearlesses who like overextended a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, what did he do? <laughs> yeah. Angbor died. It was just like, I, I, I don't know. He had me, my Angbor, eight guys, looks at three ninjas. I'm like, yeah, I can take him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Angbor was wrong. I don't know what else to say. Angbor <laughs> got rolled twice in a row to the ninja. Yeah, took, wounded. Took two wounds first the first time. time second think, time. Yeah. It's gone. Brutal. Like that. 12 points took out what a freaking 60, 60 point yeah, model yeah 65 point hero um, and that was also there's a lot of crucial things going on here yeah yeah that was your only hero left on the board oh yeah absolutely we did this it was the same turn that Imrahil died yeah. so you do this Angbor with his like two friends versus one ninja and then I lost that and he died too I was like oh I'm not even going to pass the courage check yeah. anymore <laughs> yeah because so. you had like it was probably still 20? maybe maybe 15, 20 15 models to left 20 yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a it's a very large horde army. I had yeah. forty six models at eight hundred and fiefdoms, yeah. which is which pretty is elite. Massive. Yeah, because like, because you know how good your models are, it's yeah. huge. But yeah, you had about fifteen to twenty, and yeah. I was like at that point, I just sort of moved inwards. Yeah, for sure. I only charged the knights because they're courage four with yeah. my heroes. Because yeah. you know it's, you were going to win those, and I, I couldn't those. get kills there too. And everyone else just bunkered up and watched as your men at arms and your yeah. axemen all just piss bolted yeah they were like i oh, can't see the four the four great heroes of our land go down and hang around they, yeah. they run off you know nah brilliant um it was a really cool game and there was lots of <laughs> i think there was a lot of interesting things that happened and i guess hopefully you can see the power in the uh the cheeky drum and the cheeky march. oh absolutely i learned i learned a lot about the easterlings today yeah. and uh definitely valuing their strength now going yeah, forward but yeah, that speed it's unreal and uh yeah, a lot of cool shit happened yeah, there. Yeah, for I, sure. I definitely think I got lucky. If I get to win move-offs, I think I get to take control, yeah. and that's how it played out. But uh, I think you did really well, and I think your list was really good. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, pop, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Your list was really fun to play, beautifully painted. There was maybe one or two models that Jordy yes, hadn't got to yet. Apologies. But other yeah. than that, it was an absolutely gorgeous list as always. Uh, thank you, thank I really you. I really enjoyed playing him. Brilliant, and you too. Great game, Ned. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jordy. We haven't really harped on it too much in these post-match interviews, but Jordy, you've gone two and zero, so that means that you must be near the tippy top table. Well, not only have I gone two and zero, I've gone twelve x in all the games. Ooh, mm. hello. So we're currently sitting at max battle points. Max battle points. That's that's an impressive place mm. to be. Mm. Uh, okay, so going into the last round, top table, your opponent Ned. Um, now you listen. You've just heard a very in-depth interview i must say i really enjoyed listening back to oh that's crazy i think you guys covered off absolutely everything um which is great um and you covered it in really good detail the game sounded very intense um as it should be i was gonna say intense as far as the game yeah me and ned were were larrikinning the whole way but yes you're right the game was intense the game was intense top table um and and listening back to the interview the the impression that I got, and it's only through the interview, because <laughs> dear listener, by now we, you will have worked out that I definitely do not grace the top table. So I, I can't speak from my own experience. Hey, you did it at uh, 
what, what was the accents? Axel you did accent sword. Yeah, and I lost. You've done it. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> no, um, but the 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 level of play that is required on top table, I think, is profoundly different to you know the rest of the field at a tournament. Mm. Um, the thing that kind of uh, think resonated with me was when you were describing and when Ned was describing how you were moving and the Easterling's capacity for that very rapid redeployment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which you've you've talked about a lot in the past but just this kind of crystallized that this is an army that you really know back to front Mm -hmm. you know how it operates and you know how to exploit that in any given situation yep you didn't mention it in the interview, but off mic, you mentioned something quite interesting because there was a really critical um, moment, I think, uh, and this is just my interpretation of it, but when you did the feint out onto your right flank and then did the rapid redeploy... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that for me, sounded like it was where you kind of tipped the balance a little bit mm. and then got the momentum and just kind of drove it home. But in, I was interested when when we were talking about it off air. You were talking about the kind of the decision process of when to make that shift. Can yes. you talk through that? Yeah, yeah, this is this is good. Uh, so yeah, we're going to go in depth tactic because we're top tabling right now, boys. Uh, so yeah, Ned had a gun line. I think it was like twelve black roots and Dwin here, right? Yeah. With his heroic re rolls, that's a that's lethal. I mean, Especially to your acolytes. D4. If mm-hmm. they were D5, I reckon I'd walk into it. Sure. But that's the trick. I can't walk into that. No. And even more so, you'll hear like the Green Dragon talk about trying to leverage ranged weapons with picking a point on the battlefield where your opponent's going to engage. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you have to go for it. But what I didn't want was for Ned to pick that point mm-hmm. because I run headlong into his black roots and then the... Um, Basically, the phalanx of, of knights and men-at-arms walk around my side and basically I'm trapped against the board edge, against some black roots and against some, mm. some men-at-arms and a pike wall. Which, look, I would kill the black roots, being 5-3 and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, the grind where they're three deep between buildings, we couldn't have it. Mm. So, instead, um, he spent the first turn, literally stood still, right? Including, of course, the archers. So, I've... Full pelt, drum of course, to the right. Mm. Basically sideways. Um, there was a little bit of forward movement, but as a, it was mainly sideways. So then Ned's second turn, I think I may have moved first, did the same thing. Mm. Basically hard right to the side. At this point, like you heard, Rutabi with a dummy drop to my left, so she was slightly to the left of the army. The knights, because they were so fast, the knight and the, the dragon knight rather in the cataphracts, they were like to the far right a little bit because they're so fast they got the extra move and then like the infantry were like staggered across mm. so while it looked like basically it looked like yeah my models were just trying to move that way as far as they could ultimately that wasn't my plan what I wanted Ned to do was move his archers forwards then I can run headlong into him and not be like I mentioned earlier where he wanted me mm which would, of course, be trapped against the rock and hard place. Instead, I'm trapped with his black roots on one side and the phalanx on the same side, mm. rather than, you know, on my left and right, basically. And I suppose 
the the interesting part to that as well was the placement of the cab, knowing that you've got that twenty inch move, mm-hmm. which then makes up for them being on that like. That's the part where I was like, man, he's playing five DJs compared to the <laughs> shit that I'm pushing around. Because often, you know, this game is one I'm lost in the move phase, I think. Um, and often I find myself kind of, you know, in positions where I don't want them to be because I haven't thought about where those infantry and yes. cab need to be in two, three turns time. And it sounded like, you know, this, this whole move to faint to the right-hand side, you'd set it up in such a way that, you know, you were just waiting for that turn where you lost priority to be able to do that big swing around and not have Ned be able to react that turn. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yes. So, I and that's what I mentioned off, off air. So, the first thing was I had to have Ned move up. Mm. What I pictured him doing, so I'm moving to the right of the board, what I pictured him doing was realigning his line again. Mm. So, suddenly it's the same thing. I'm running headlong into this line. Yeah which is we're back to square one. But of course, look, that's going to take two to three turns and he's going to move it, you know, one flank to one flank where the black roots are going to take three turns to get to their spot Mm -hmm. and the men in arms will take, you know, one turn to move backwards to their spot. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, this is how we're going to do it. It's three turns of those archers not being able to shoot, which is key. Yeah. Yeah. And the second drum got me out of their range, which forced the move. Yeah. Um, What had happened, and this is what I described to you, was that... I say in the in the interview. Luckily, Ned won the the, the won the roll off to have to move first. Mm. He continued moving his black roots to what I considered to be out of position, and I pictured he was going to do that. And that's this is where the drum and march because I have to call that before he moves. Right. Mm, mm. Um, I had of course assumed he was going to do that. I called the drum and the march, and you're right. I'd placed the cab because they move 15 each time with just the drum. I didn't move them the full 15 each time. Mm. I just moved them basically the nine slash 10 because I knew they're coming back because it's the, it's the cab that catch them Mm. that draw everything in. You catch the one model, everything comes in. It's not always true, but if it's a model like four long, for example, they're going to try and rescue it. They've got it. Um, So here it was, Ned won the priority, but I mentioned to you, if Ned, if I'd won the priority rather, I wouldn't have called the March. I would have continued to drum um, and I would have relocated and again I would have pre-measured the black roots where they were because the black roots moving and the black roots standing still whole different ball game because mm. when they're still they're three ups and re-roll ones but if they move it's just fours yeah correct yeah and if they're just fours he's not going to call the, the poison re-roll no. so I, I would have pre-measured the 24 yeah. I would have continued that right feint and again, it would have just been about important Rutabi placement, important mm. cataphract placement, mm. and very important captain placement. Because what isn't mentioned, I guess, is that in that heroic move, a march, the captain had everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally every single model in my army yeah. was in a bubble around the, the six inches of the captain. Yeah. When I deployed my army from the start, it was more or less the same. Yeah. Everyone was near the captain within that six inches with, with the dragon emperor's base at the very tippy edge. Cause he's so big, he takes up so much space of it that you just sort of have to put him on the edge mm. so you can get everyone else. Uh, and the good news was he was on the left of the captain. So he was kind of one of the first in as well, but yeah, I think we, we've talked about it at length, but I, I do really think that this 
this movement piece is probably the major contributing factor to you winning the game because it it catches Ned offside. His big hitter, Imre Hill, isn't in the combat for mm-hmm. at least one, maybe two turns. And you're taking away one of his big hitters in four long straight well, from the outset. More than that, the we've talked about the Black Roots before. They're the weak link of this army. Yeah, right? we yeah. know that. They're the they fight down like a wet paper bag. They're, they cannot fight to save themselves, literally. especially not against acolytes with a banner. With a banner on them. Um, so what this let me do was so Ned had shot like four, four or five of my acolytes already. Right, mm. I'm down numbers. What this let me do more than as well as killing four long huge. Don't get me wrong. It let me get my numbers back. Mm. Right, even with yeah, sure. everything perfectly aligned for me. If I'm fighting 46 models with my 30, I still think Ned would do well. Especially what, if those models have pike supports. Pikes. And he gets fight five. And another 12-inch we both have. <laughs> we're both comparing uh, 12 inches. Um, <laughs> what this let me do was get my acolytes on the black roots yeah. without support. Right? Yeah. He's yeah. He had this... He, you know, I think Imri Hill got in this turn, but there was some lucky dagger throws, as you heard. Um but his entire like men at arms blocks because there were two of them basically yeah. separated by a building took two turns for one of them to get there yeah and then it was like three turns and that one was the angbor the little yeah. angbor they squad the that you heard yeah. they went the long way around they were like a turn behind yeah. and on the wrong side kind of well, deliberately on the wrong side to try and flank but you know what I mean so it let me kill like seven to eight black roots and his two knights mm. also important very um, important before his men-at-arms and Imriel yeah. got in in earnest, basically. So, yeah, the movement was, of course, what's, what got me on the front foot. And then I suppose in the, the mid-game, it was just about maintaining that momentum. Again, the, the, the Emperor in this game was playing predominantly a support role. Mm. So just buffing from from the back ranks. Did the emperor get in in towards the late stage of the game? I kind of. It's funny when you were talking about it before the emperor kind of hanging back. It's almost like a troll, right? Like mm. he becomes infinitely more dangerous <laughs> the longer the game goes on and the less resources that your opponent has to try and counter him, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, obviously that's how you flash kill him if you have enough might to back yeah. it. Like, yeah. Like me and Damo were talking in our game. Like, of all the models that could flash kill him, it's Boromir. Yeah. Boromir charges in, wins the fight, let's say, after the strike and everything goes his way. Four dice, needing, I think he needs sixes, but, you know, he rolls three fours. Might, 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 might. Depends if he's got the lance. Gets the lance, you know. Anyway, apart from that. um, So, yeah, the Emperor, I believe, because the base was so big, he was taking up space, of course. Yeah. But... He wasn't really in the fight. Sure. I was waiting basically for the right time to be able to get him onto Imra Hill. Mm. But yeah, he was sitting there doing nothing. And by nothing, of course, I mean affecting 40 combats by himself. Yeah. Another interesting part to this, Brogir did some work. Mm. Uh, <laughs> First of all, he cast a free Blade Wrath that killed Forlong and Twin here. But yeah, he kept doing work too. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice opening little... Rutabi, uh, Rutabi and Brogy combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tag teaming. Uh, but specifically to get Imra Hill off his horse, which, you know, is a, a pain near and dear to my heart. Um, 
Brogy did uh, the old tremor, mm-hmm. and there was there's a lot going on here now. Um, full disclosure: on the day, I did play it wrong, but from from memory of how it all ends up sitting, because I had a couple moves in a row, I feel like it, this would have still been possible. Mm-hmm. So basically, what I ended up doing was tremoring through my through my model, avoiding Imrahil. Yeah. And of course, he can't resist because he's not the one directly hit through yep. with the the tremor line. Sure. Um, now, what I should have had to do, and again, I think Brogy had plenty of room movement to work with, was position him near my acolyte that's yep. in combat with Imrahil, but targeting like a black root that was three or four inches behind them. Yeah. Because I have six inches to target. It's a long, it's a long line. <laughs> You say it's a long line. My tremors are consistently ones and twos. Oh, no. But I have six inches to target. Sure. Um, is all that matters here. So yeah. what I would have had to do was get Brogy in such an angle that yeah. there was a black root behind, which there was. Um, there was Imra Hill basically next to a tree for his own safety. He couldn't get, like, basically models around him. Uh, and then about three or four black roots and three or four men-at-arms mm. on that side. So what yeah. I would have had to do and I'm glad I've sort of come up with this, and now, dear listener at home, feel free to use it. Target the model behind my acolyte, yeah. tremor through, and, of course, roll a one or two. And that's why I got him so close. Yeah, I yeah, made yeah. sure he was one inch, because guess what I rolled? Yeah. Big flat one. Yeah. Uh, so, was able to tremor Imrahil without targeting him. Nice. Which, um, again, on the day, I played wrong. Tremor has to target an enemy. But ultimately, the concept is there. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, play it again, play it correctly, probably same outcome anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is important though, because again, that's that's kind of Brogier's thing of being an anti-cav monster and being able to switch that off, which is really important. Yeah. Like it's another tool in the in the cap for Easterling. I found it very funny on the day how scared people were of Brogier. Yeah. And honestly, it was the threat of activation. Yeah. In my game with Damo, at the end, I was like, why didn't Boromir just go straight in? He's like, oh, I didn't want Brogy to knock him off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fair, but he's just a just a mage at the end of the day. But, um, I mean, that, that fear, and uh, the, the deterrent is, you know, worth its weight in points. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's very funny. Brogy was like a flash in the pan in every game. But he was still worth 80 points. Mm. You know, that flash was powerful enough yeah, to, yeah. To, to make it all worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And look, that's the Blade Wrath with the Emperor combo aside as well. But yeah, he was pretty huge. It sounded like um, pretty much everything went your way this game. Um, and I think that's probably something that I want to uh, touch on in the next section. We won't talk about it now, but mm-hmm. before we wrap up this game, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Ah, no, it was a it was a sick game with Ned and uh sounded like you got that a really good time. For top table, yeah. like it sounded like you were both coming at it with very good, uh, like the right attitude in terms of just playing the games that should be played. Yeah. Yeah, I and I think we and <laughs> Ned was very intimidated to be versing me, but at the same time I was so intimidated with his list. Mm. So many models mm. and so such like such good archery. The archery oh. is a hard counter to your list. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm D4. If you've got any bows yeah. whatsoever, yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I had to find a workaround and I, uh, given the score, I think we got there. <laughs> um, what it, was the score in the end? Oh, just a cheeky 12-0. Look at you go. Um, so, yeah, we got the leader, we got the break and 
got the quarter. The I guess the last interesting thing was the fact that um, just by fluke, all his not all of it was fluke. By fluke, Angbor died. So there were no heroes on the board. Yeah. And here I changed tactic. Right? Instead of just fighting everyone, I, I won the priority or probably more likely I was the only one with might on the board and just heroic move. Yeah. Hard disengage. Yeah. First of all, I've got throwing knives anyway. Yeah. Look, if, if he passed every single courage test, I still win by disengaging. Mm. But courage checks across the board. I think I got my heroes onto the knights because I may as well. Mm. Like they're killing what they touch anyway. Mm. And their defense six and courage four, so decent passing. But the black roots piss bolted. Yeah, I think there, there was courage two. Courage two. I think the men at arms piss bolted. Courage yeah. three, probably an axeman or two left there somewhere. Piss mm. bolted. Um, and then that's how we got the quarter. Was basically that hard disengage. Let him take courage because look, the courage of men is is tough, notoriously but, uh, weak. But yeah, in our in our game, it's actually pretty weak. So. Yeah, we got there basically. Um, that's a very interesting point, and I think it's 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 definitely not like the the default is I've got the momentum. I'm just going to put yeah. my foot on this guy's get the traps and, everywhere and, and, and maximize. And but you're right because you were quite close to breaking yourself. Yeah. right? I I think like two or three ninjas, yeah. like one or two combats don't go my way. Yeah, he gets the lucky kill. Like for me to have gotten gotten broken from then on, fluke, mm. but possible, mm. right? And Given that I'm sitting at twelve o, you want to we want to keep maintain that. that clean sheet. Yep, that might come handy. <laughs> it should come in handy. On that, uh, let's get into the post tournament yeah. talk. Tonight we remember those who gave their blood to defend this country. Hail the victorious dead! Hail! So, uh, you've gone. 3-0, not only 3-0, bloody clean sheet, 12-0, uh, 12-0, 12-0. Oh, sorry, 12x. So 12 the X. first one was like 12-4, because oh, it's okay. Fog of War, okay. so right, you have right. to concede points in Fog of War. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, and the of second course. one, probably 12-0, maybe 12-1, something like but that. But have, you know, 12 to, to score the 12 yeah. is remarkable, and to score yeah. the 12 in all three games, you were having a ripper of a day. Yeah. Safe to say. Unbeaten, full battle points. Amazing. How, so, how can you go wrong? How can you go wrong? Surely, Geordie, this must mean that you came out as the, the top tournament winner. Numero uno. Numero uno. One would only think. Uh, and and was that the case? And, and was was the fact that the TO that was running three other tournaments come into play at all at this point in the day? Uh, uh, look, I coincidentally found a bunch of salt shakers and came second. Uh, I've so, got to say, yeah. this is going to be one of my favourite photos I've ever seen of you. Because, in, in, you know, you guys had all your photos taken at the end of the day, and there you were holding the second place, just looking so dejected. Yeah, yeah. And then I heard the backstory, so tell everyone, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell everyone the backstory. So, then. I'm obviously playing it up in the photos. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, basically... At the end of my game with Ned, I yeah. went over to the other top table and had a little suss and both of the players had basically taken points off of each other. Yeah. So the player who came out on top, Matt Dotson Geary, only won like 10, 10 six or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like he's conceded two battle points. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that gives me the win. So 
we're good to go. Surely. And look, I don't know the other rounds, but let's pretend even if they went 12-0, 12-0, 10-6. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we get up to uh, Dickie's announcing everything and we're having a great time. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. Uh, he, he announces best painted and, and or rather best army it was. Because rule the cool played a lot into this one, which is yeah. cool. Uh, and then yeah, like average as fuck. The person who was like dead center, I think it was. Yeah, right. um, bunch of bunch of awards basically. Yeah, and, and they were pretty decent awards that Diggy huge had. Huge prize, like, I think. Yeah, best painter got like fifty bucks or something, yeah, and yeah. then second, like I got fifty. Yeah. Winner got a hundred. Yeah, winner got a hundred. <laughs> uh, yeah, decent prizes. Um, yeah, so he's reading out third, yeah. and and he reads out um, I don't know. Uh, sorry, Tim. He was. Tim Wright. Tim Wright. Yeah. And he reads that second and he goes, Geordie. What? No, that's not me. <laughs> what? I want the big one. I want the big one. Uh, what happened? And then he goes, of course, first Matt Dodson Geary and we're like, yay. Uh, I mean, I was deliberately like, oh, what? Um, and John then, Travolta with your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, yeah, Dickie goes to take the photos and he's like, everybody, like, point and give the middle finger to the player who came first and I was deliberately playing up like and giving him the finger and stuff like that and um, I had a chat I did have a chat with Dickie at the end and was like oh what like what happened because I was genuinely curious if he was running a different scoring system yeah, yeah, that yeah. could have actually changed this because yeah. as far as I know it goes like basically win-loss of course yeah um, it's like battle points then strength of schedule yeah essentially yeah um, like battle points and then maybe like battle points differential then yeah. strength the schedule potentially um, and so I was like maybe something's gone wrong but he's like oh no you were the same battle points and his strength of schedule was stronger and I was like oh he did he get 36 and he's like no I was like oh okay cool anyway so <laughs> basically <laughs> that was a good dicky impersonation yeah I thought so <laughs> <laughs> um, on the whole dicky just had too much on his plate yeah and Turns then, out sorry. running three tournaments yeah. at the same time might be a little bit too much. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but like there was a lot on his plate, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Um, everything runs smooth, yeah. sands the end, and, and look, it's, you know, it's water under the bridge. It's not yeah. something that actually matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so he, he got through his tournaments, uh, which is great, and everything seemed to go really well. And yeah. obviously everyone who went to the tournament had a great time. I even got approached by some of the Melbourne guys and was like, man, Geelong tournaments are so good. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's, that's really good feedback to <laughs> yeah. get. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, look, I agree. They um, are great. They I think great. it was... More should come. <laughs> yeah. It was a great tournament and it was well run. Like the the rounds went you know, well. Dickie came around, gave us plenty of heads up, etc. Yeah. You know, we had enough breaks. Like it was organised well. And there was we food there on the day as yes, well. Yes, right? there was a, the, basically the a canteen on the yeah, day. Yeah. Um, you could get chips, you could get... All the all the standard drinks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, which so, makes a difference, I think. Yeah, huge. Big like time. that lunch break, which is normally like an hour. Often you'll spend half of it just going to and fro, hunting and gathering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that made it quite easy. I think it also helps as well. I mean, you know, I, I was only there briefly, but the atmosphere of having a store that, like, Dicky is so intensely passionate about every <laughs> system. Like, he loves all his children equally. Obviously, <laughs> Lord of the Rings is kind of a favourite. Um, but, you know, the, the passion is definitely there and it's not like you're just rocking up to a game store to have a tournament. I mm. feel like it's a little bit different yeah. with Dickie. There was uh, a proper vibe there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And and to, to build off of that, 
each of the winners of these tournaments walked away with a big goblin. Yeah. Um, which uh, maybe we'll get the photo. Um, but basically, uh, and he he specialized each one. Yeah. So the forty k one probably had like a bomb or something, and the Age of Sigma probably had I don't know wings. Who knows? Our one and Dicky was really happy about this one had a shield because as we all know shielding's like the strongest rule in the game <laughs> and that was basically his reasoning I love it. I love um it. and it and it worked yeah, like yeah. it's perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. um that's so brilliant. yeah the winner walked away with a shielding goblin that's brilliant uh which was pretty funny so, and and like he hand painted each of those they, and they looked and they were stunning neat they, they were neatly really done nice. they were really well done yeah so that's his passion flowing into yeah, each yeah, of the yeah. Yeah. and he um, does that for every one of his yeah. tournaments like he and it's always new and different and like he's an ideas man but then he also backs it up and mm, delivers mm. which is really great um so but in the end the saga of the first <laughs> place second place you were ultimately awarded the first place mm. after the event yeah i think it was like i mean dicky had a lot to do the next day yeah. as far as packing up his shop taking it all back home, all that sort of stuff. And then the few days of just presumably exhaustion. Yeah. uh, I can only guess. uh, After maybe a week or so, Dickie got back to me and he was like, oh yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, But you know, you got the the 36, so you were officially, and then he did the big Facebook post with all the results, you know, the next weekend, I think. Mm. And Mm. in that one, it was, yeah, Geordie Geordie Moss number one, Mm. basically. Um, So yeah, we got the official title in the end, which is great. Because me and you talked about this like after the tournament. We're like, how do we go about talking about this? Mm, mm. Like if I get awarded second, even though, you know, spiritually, maybe I should have been first. What do we do? Thank God. I think mathematically. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Spiritually and mathematically. (laughs) Quick math. Um, Yeah. I'm glad that you know, the, the record was corrected because it makes our job a little bit easier now talking about it. Um, so, and, you know, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't Thank think you. I've actually said that yeah. on air. <laughs> Fantastic result. Um, very well deserved. You know, having not been there on the day but heard the interviews back, it sounded like you were, you know, in complete command of um, each of the games. Mm. Um, I think when... You know, winning any tournament takes a certain degree of luck. Yeah. Um, but in this instance, there was also, a, you know, always, you know, you have to have <laughs> a hell of a lot of skill to to, to win. Um, and the fact that you did it with the Easterlings, um, you, d- you did Harry Proud, Harry Parkle over mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. I hope he's listening. We made um, Easterlings great again. Yep. Um, um, no, I before we do go too much, further i do want to point out that it was such a fun list to play yeah i mean i'm sure i've said that in the saga eight times the ninjas are super fun yeah and and now that we've got the dragon emperor to level them up yeah, yeah, yeah. there's just something about having one model roll three dice yeah oof, oof feels good pretty good um so it's it's really interesting to play with them because you've got like a like i just said like one model that can overperform mm. but doesn't always mm. of course so you can check one ninja against like three dudes and he might come out on top. Like yeah, the odds yeah. are like almost 40% that he just wins no matter what. Yeah. If assuming they're fight four or down. And then you've got these, this mini, you can just place, you know, a series of ninjas to block and then you press everywhere else. So you just got these like three dudes that can outfight, you know, an entire flank of Gondorians 
while you know your dragon emperor is maybe eating someone or he's just chilling in the back mm. and most likely rutabi is going in there chopping brogi is throwing some spell or two it's it's funny again brogi didn't do a lot but there was that threat mm. and then when he did come in and do something it was normally it was often in, impactful mm. like it would swing that turn mm-hmm. whether it was a tremor or like i've mentioned it's kind of mainly the blade wrath rutabi gets the trap Brawgy comes in with the Blade Wrath. She's mm. strength six rerolls. So you're chucking essentially six dice at strength six. Yeah. Um, or, of course, when you get the Dragon Emperor in, chuck it up there. Now you've got nine dice at strength six. It's kind of insane. Mm. Get a trap on Elrond, for example. It's mental. Mm. Um, so it's very fun to play. It's got small pieces. And it still is similar to how, if you've ever listened to the Green Dragon, the Eastlings used to play, which is hero heavy. Mm. And often hero hunting. But the heroes have changed so the heroes much. heroes have changed. And they're for the better, obviously. Uh, I think. Endor's still cool. And Kamal's still my favourite. Yeah. Like, I, I still want to do the Emperor and Kamal. I think that's really a strong combo. Because he can deep dive and still be in Banner. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Maybe. But the the instead of having this hard phalanx hold everything off, instead, you run two or three models to play Interference. Mm. And now you've got this weighted flank where these ninjas can help the heroes hunt. Because Ender can flash kill a, a infantry hero, mm. even the decent ones. Rutabi can't on her own, so she still needs the help. Um, Brogy, of course, is part of the help. But then you've got the Dragon Knight, same thing. Mm. And like I've mentioned, this is the most consistent the Dragon Knight's ever been. He gets the charge, he's throwing six dice. On the defense, he's still throwing five. And I think that's the trick. Because back in the day, they charge your Dragon Knight. He's probably out of banner because he's off on the flank. Mm. And no Lord of the East. Three dice. So whiffable. Often he's trapped and he's dead. Mm. Even, I don't think he got proper trapped this tournament. Even if he did, I'm chucking the five dice. I mean, he did get killed by Boromir, but that's Boromir. You can't do anything there. So it still functions in a similar way. This list, anyway, still functions in a similar way. To the old one you're still hero hunting it's just the names have changed mm. uh, and it's really really fun uh, i can't get that across enough the ninjas are one of the most dynamic models and they can do something a lot of armies just can't mm. uh, and it's really cool they're very versatile the yeah. ninjas like yeah. you know the fact that if they didn't have their throwing weapon then they'd be i think a far less attractive option i agree but it's that I ability agree. to have Force the opponent to react, yep, and then get them out of position, which is exactly what the ninjas like to. Which is what happened in our game when we pl- when I've played against them. Yep, uh, you force me out of position, which is what the ninjas wanted. Yep, and then you exploit that. Um, yep. you know the, the the lines coming kind of apart in the in the opponent side. And they they let freak things happen too. Like I mentioned, Imra Hill's first turn, he had a sweet charge and yeah. likely a combat. <laughs> Dagger my own ninja, easy peasy. But there were there was two times in this tournament where a ninja had a throwing dagger kill, yeah. and it literally opened up like a small path yeah. to the back of my opponent's yeah. lines. Yeah. Um, like it happened against Demo, I killed someone who was like between a fence and the model. Yeah. Suddenly, I had a about two inch gap I could walk through. Yeah. That wasn't there before. Which is huge when you don't have spear supports and you're trying to wrap that line yeah. around. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. It's right. Really cool. So, still fun army, but you are right, luck still was involved because one of the other top tablers... And look, I actually think 
Ned's army might have been one of the stronger ones against me, but there was a Assault on Lorien Legion as well. Now, the concern there is they can kill the Dragon Emperor, no sweat. Yeah. One beasted, shrouded spider, one bat to trap, rinse, he's gone. Strength eight, re-rolls, whatever it is. Um... The counter is his chaff aren't even fight five, so that part doesn't matter. No. But losing the banner for these acolytes, I think, is big enough. Yeah. So I dodged yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have had the advantage of knife fighting with daggers. Yeah. But I believe half his army were goblins anyway. So prowlers. I, prowlers. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had plus one on the spiders, but wouldn't have had plus yeah. one on the goblins. Yeah. Who knows? It's one of those ones where it's like, I would be worried. Yeah. But it's. I still think it was lucky to dodge that. Yeah. Because keeping the Emperor and Rutabi intact, for me, seems pretty important. And same with that Dragonite. Like, he Definitely. could flash that at a drop of a hat. So, Definitely. Yeah. Luck was involved, for sure. Well, good to have the two towers bring home a championship, a, a tournament win. Mm. I mean, we've, we've won a lot of hobby trophies. Well, mm-hmm. you've won significant amounts of hobby trophies over the past few podcasts. But now you also have the uh, the tournament winner. Well, two tournaments. The second one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're still waiting for, for my tournament win. We, we could be waiting some time for that. No, 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 we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Don't worry. Uh, no, but it's, it's, it is, it, in all honesty, it's fantastic. Like, congratulations. Great, great to be able to go to a tournament, go mm. hard, win the tournament. And, you know, because only a couple of podcasts ago, we were doing Minimize where it was all songs, <laughs> fun and games, the yeah, yeah. and, you know, barely won any any games, but had a hell of a lot of fun. So, you know, and I suppose that's, that's a good lesson for listeners. Like, you know, you don't have to go to every tournament with the aim mm, of, yep. you know, smashing face and, and yeah. winning. You can... and, no, you're right. So, and, and I did try and smash face here. The other thing, look, we're, you're clearly trying to peter off, but there is one more thing I will point mm. out. This is an army that, I think you mentioned, like, I have had reps with this army. Yeah. So, Makes you know, all the how many slow rows did we play with the ninjas? How many yeah, yeah, yeah. played a few prackies with it, you know? Um, so, the reps did make a difference because I knew how far I could push an acolyte, yeah, you know, for yeah, example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I knew um, on that wing with Angbor, I could put three acolytes there and yeah. hold them off for two turns. Yeah. Like, I knew I could do that. So, two were in this one space, one was a bit further, blocked them off in there. This one died. Well, actually, he didn't. He killed Angbor, but that he should have died. And then these two were still holding. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how far can I push them? And I knew. Yeah. I and knew that, the and right that's, that, that's that is you can only learn that through reps. Yeah. You can only learn that through testing it, breaking it, going too far one way, figuring out where yeah. where that point is. And no, not to rag on other potties, but this is one thing where like theory hammer, just it can't do that. You no, can't, you can't theory no. hammer an army because theory, into existence. Because theory hammer says that the acolytes are shit, <laughs> <laughs> and that's obviously not the case. Eleven like, points, strength three. Are yeah. you kidding me? Oh, <sighs> um, and that's why, dear listener, for the next tournament that we're going to, <laughs> I will have played a sum total of no practice games <laughs> with the army. And I'm sure I'll have a ball and watch as you get first place and just like <laughs> laugh all the way to the bank. Not. <laughs> Definitely not. The You've you've formally won the tournament, but before, <laughs> but before before this happened, right? Uh, there was a bit of a, a grudge match throwdown. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Matt's, Matt Matt Dodson Geary on the day walked away with the prize. Mm. 
my prize. Mm. No, no, no. It's all in good spirit. All this, uh, all this is, I promise, a joke. My prize, though. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so, in order to settle the score, uh, Matt um, proposed we do a, a, a round four. Ooh, uh, to the Bring in the same armies, um, playing. I think we we ended up be, like rolling scenarios and yeah. doing the veto system, yeah. all that good stuff. But uh, having another scrap at 800 points to see yeah, who right. uh, officially takes the title. Did you both take the same list? Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's okay. very important. Cool. You yeah, have yeah, to yeah. take of the course, same list. Of course, of course. Um, so I had my ninjas, my dragon emperor, and, and what was uh, all the good taking? stuff. He was all mounted Rohan, okay. I believe, Riders of Theoden. Yep. Uh, with Aemir. His Aemir is really nicely painted, by mm. the way. Mm. Really, really crisp. Um, Theoden, Deawine, Dernhelm. No gambling, I reckon. I reckon that's the big detraction. And then a bunch of Royal Guard and yeah. a bunch of Riders. Nice. One of which had a banner, I believe. Nice. So something along those lines. Yeah, cool. Cool. Uh, and how did the game go? Well, there has to be a round five. <laughs> the saga continues. It ended in a draw. Yeah, okay. We ended up playing Assassination. Um, yeah, okay. the, the crux of it was... Um, Matt had set all his lads and he was going to play the kite game. And yeah. I could see where this was going. Yeah. So once again, I did the cheeky march drum mm. and surprised them with the Dragon Knight overextending yeah. more than they would think. Yeah. So all my ninjas moved up right to the side of the board. And this was ended up being quite a nuisance oh, between next to this tower. Mm. Huge, like, I, th- I reckon like Age of Sigma square based tower type thing. But look, that's fine for ninjas. Because I can squeeze where he's on horses, he can't squeeze. But I got the Dragonite onto um, a model or two, maybe heroic combated, and ultimately I got a hold of Aemir. Um, and once I had a hold of Aemir, everyone rushed in, which is great. I mean, Aemir was a beat stick the whole game. Hmm. And funnily enough, he what caused the draw, and we'll get to that. Um, but basically, there was this huge grind. We won't go into too much depth because this isn't important and sorry Matt we did do an interview for this but ultimately I think once we hit get our official result that's yeah. when we get the chat on yeah, yeah so yeah. sorry for the long discussion that doesn't get aired Matt we will get you on uh, maybe we can do a little shorts episode. yeah I think mm. so take a leaf out of the green <laughs> yeah, um, ultimately big scrap now he did end up killing his target um, and this is one of those moments where we did a goof, or rather a rules goof that I should have known, mm. which cost me. So, AMR was fighting the Dragon Knight, but I was like, I'll throw some daggers, because if AMR gets dehorsed, great. Mm. If I get dehorsed, it doesn't matter. Mm. Then we resolved AMR's fight. The trick with charge bonuses and cavalry is it's resolved in the movement phase. So, when right. the cavalry model charges a cavalry model, that's when you check. Yeah. What happened was I dismounted my Dragon Knight, when we resolved the fight, we treated AMR as having charged, which is actually wrong. Right. Uh, sorry, as having the charge bonus, the charge bonus which is yeah, wrong. Yeah. So he ended oh, up having four, four attacks in the duel and then eight to wound. Yeah. So we killed my Dragonite, which was his target. Yep. Uh, easy peasy. But what I did was basically, I got my target, who I reckon was probably Day of Wine. Yeah. Probably. I always kill him first. I hate him. I hate him more than Elrond. Um, <laughs> I want to start a chart. Models that Geordie hates. Um, so I ended up getting my target, but I killed him with 
my non-specified assassin. I reckon mm. the emperor probably got him. Mm. Um, mm. Whereas my ta- uh, my assassin was presumably Rupab. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, he got the assassin kill, which is seven points. Yeah. I got every other point. I think, yeah, there was only one model left on the board for him. Wow. So we were both broken, I believe. Uh, I'd killed his leader. That's mm. the other two points that I scraped out. So it was eight all. The last round of combat. Picture it. Aemir has already spent some might on Horse Lord. Mm-hmm. Sorry, some fate on Horse mm. Lord. I reckon he's got one, mm. maybe two. I had Dragon Emperor, Rutabi, three ninjas, potentially a fourth. Uh, we did the math. I think it ends up being. Yeah. So I got the trap. I got the win. Now you would, you would think that's where it all goes wrong. We somehow fluffed the yeah, jewel yeah, roll yeah, yeah. and we couldn't get him. Yeah. We couldn't get the win. So here's freaking AMA. Defense seven. All right. Fair yeah. enough. No slouch. No slouch. I needed sixes across the board. Yeah. I can deal with that. Sure. I have... You have enough dice to find <laughs> some sixes, surely. <laughs> I have 18 dice from the Emperor. Jeez. Six re-rollable from Rutabi. What? Now she landed one in her first roll, so I ended with 11 dice from her. So let's get the maths while we're going. 18, 11... I reckon there was four acolytes, so that's eight times two. So what have we got? 16, 27, uh, 45 dice to get three sixes, basically. We only got two. He didn't even force fate. That's ridiculous. So what would (laughs) have, what maybe should have happened, AMA dies. It's an eight all draw score wise but you wipe the table so you win but i've got the tabling yeah so it's an eight or win to yeah, me yeah 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 yeah. now of course ama was an absolute chad wow. and decided that this game was a draw wow which is cool because now me and matt get to go again and but, it's a uh, double down grudge match double down grudge but fuck that ama couldn't couldn't get him couldn't get him wow 45 dice and i reckon i may have misremembered because in my calculations it was more it was like 51 or something yeah but anyway I, maybe there was a captain Surely involved. enough. Yeah. Enough yeah. to find a couple more sixes. Just a couple more sixes. <laughs> so, cool game. I look forward to that second grudge. Yeah, there we go. No, but, very good. But um, I think with the tournament talk out of the way, let's finish off with our last segment. New segment. A Palantir is a dangerous tool, Saruman. Why? Why should we fear to use it? They are not all accounted for, the lost seeing stones. We do not know who else may be watching. Peering into the Palantir. Yes, it's peering into the Palantir, the Palantir um, of YouTube. What have you seen of YouTube? <laughs> the bottomless pit of the eye of the algorithm. Um, so, this one is an oldie but a goodie. I mm. say an oldie but a goodie. Um, uh, he's been around for quite a while. Uh, YouTube content creator Anders, uh, which is up there with one of my favourite. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you mentioned him quite a while ago, mm. and I've since watched most of his backlog. Mm. And I think is his official um, channel Anders Talks Hobby. Anders Talks Hobby, yep. I believe. Yeah, yep. um, go and check him out on YouTube. Um, he has a fantastic uh, approach to the hobby, very much aligned, I think, with our approach of. Mm. 
you know, the first thing that he starts with is the theme and the narrative and the story. And then he tries to find models to support that yep. theme and, and story. I like, first of all, the inventiveness and how much he experiments. He experiments right. a lot in all aspects. So like kit bashing, conversions, painting. He does all of these fantastic... And he's very candid too. Mm. Like in his... Uh, one of his um, armies that he goes into great depth on is Angmar. And he has all these mm -hmm. great conversions. And he talks about this process of painting the orcs. And he does like five steps of like undercoating, undershading, highlighting <laughs> with the airbrush, zenithal highlight. And he does all of that. And he kind of gets to the end of it. And he's like, I wasn't really feeling it. <laughs> and it took a lot of time at the end of the paint job you can't really see any of it so yeah. it's like what the fuck was the point of that yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah and so it's cool because it's like it's an actual kind of documentation of the the hobby process that he yeah. goes through and there's there's a few times where he's just like done something and said I didn't like it yeah change his change tack yeah and figured out a new way yeah, or yeah, figured yeah. out a different way yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. Um, so very cool um, uh, he's been around for a while and he's got you know fairly decent um, following, but I do feel like he's probably uh, a bit of an unsung, underrated, unsung hero yeah. in my books. Yeah. Um, so go and check him out. Um, there's a great backlog of YouTube videos um, that he's done in the past, and you can see the. Also, I'd, I'd say he's got a really good approach to just how he edits and put his mm. films, mm. like his clips. I would together. agree. Yeah, you know, like. The, it really kind of sets it himself apart from some of the other smaller YouTube channels, which perhaps are a little bit more rough and ready. He yep. really thinks about all of the shots and it's all really well put together. Yep. So go and check him out. Um, but until next we are together, dear listener, have fun hobbying. And have fun gaming. See, See you, you later. later. <laughs> Almost <laughs> fucked it up.